does have it all. All of our pre-owned vehicles are Hubler Q certified, which include a 128-point vehicle inspection, a free Carfax vehicle history report, and two warranties. A two-year, 100,000-mile powertrain warranty and a 30-day, 1,000-mile comprehensive warranty. Visit any of our 13 locations today or click drivehubler.com. Jake, I feel like my voice is like the Colts' playoff hopes. Hanging on by a thread. <laughs> well, I at least can hear tangibly that your voice exists. Can't necessarily say that for the Colts' playoff hopes, right? It's one of those things where I'm like, if I talk too loud, I just feel like it's going to go. Like the throat's just going to fall off. Is there anybody in Indianapolis that thinks the Colts are still going to go to the playoffs? <sighs> Boy, that's a good question. Blue? Yeah. People that are don't live at... West 56th? You know, honestly, and I said earlier in the week, I think even in there, they're start, I mean, they're fielding questions about tanking. And it's December 1st. Anytime you're there, I think you don't have to be an idiot. You can fully realize what the standings will look like. Good Friday morning to you, Kevin Bowen, Jake Quarry, and Mark Dykton getting you set for, I would say, one of the kind of cooler events that the city of Indianapolis has had coming up Saturday night. I mean, Jake, when you think about all the final fours we've had here, obviously Butler and their run, but Indiana and Purdue have not been there. Um, I get it's a Big Ten championship, and I get they're a 17-point underdog, but this is kind of what you want if you're a fan of like, hey, this is my school that I live in this city, and my college is an hour away, and they're playing in my backyard. Um, I can't wait for tomorrow night. No, it's very cool. Um, it'll be a great atmosphere. I- I'm telling you, I encourage people – to come downtown, just walk around, soak it in, even if you're not going to the game. Just get down here 5 or 6 o'clock, walk around, or even better yet, if you're around like after the game, like that's the best, man. I mean, last year, when it was Michigan and Iowa last year, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, Michigan pretty much put them away early. And I think even the the Michigan fans and Iowa fans, this is what was cool about it, to be honest with you. And I, I don't, I can't imagine this would be any different this year. By the fourth quarter of that game last year, it was pretty much a foregone conclusion. So a lot of Iowa fans went ahead and bailed. So did the Michigan fans. And then, like I was in one of the bars downtown. Let's go drink it up. Let's drive. Yeah, but and you had fans, though, from both schools. And they were all super cool about it because they were just happy to be there, man. Iowa knew the reality, right? And, you know, so it was like, hey, we're here, whatever. And the Michigan fans were cool to them. And everybody was just having a good time. It's a holiday season. I mean, it's, you know, it's great. The New England Patriots got drubbed on national television the night before. I, you know, what What more can you ask for, right? Yeah, 24-10 last night. The Bills beat the Patriots. Um, it's pretty impressive what Buffalo continues to do to Bill Belichick in New England. You know, I got to thinking about this about Buffalo. Three straight double-digit ones. Josh Allen's being interviewed right now. Does he look like a fan? Yes. That's, I'm assuming, from last night, right? He's I was still, really excited for this fantasy football convention. He's still wearing his jersey, Allen. no shoulder pads, just outside the stadium. Little mock turtleneck on. Just outside the locker room, I should say. Cool Bills hat. <laughs> you know, when you look, this is the time of year when you can kind of start to figure this stuff out, Kevin. So let me put the put this to you in bad analogy, played out circumstances, okay? I mentioned to you before, Kevin, that... During the Indy 500, as I'm calling the race up in turn three, I write down on restarts and just periodically I'll say in the intercom, hey, give me the top eight, and I write it down. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. So I have an idea who's in the leader, who, who the leaders are. And last year, the race was won by Marcus Erickson, and I remember making the point on the show, when I went back and looked at my flip <coughs> notebook, 
he was the one driver who was on virtually every page. Wasn't necessarily running first, second, or third, but he was right there like in the top five consistently the entire time. In the AFC and the NFC, but in the in the National Football League over the course of a regular season, if you were to write down the top four teams in each conference and do it each week of the season, there is some fluctuation. You know, it may be that at the beginning of the year, you'd say the Rams are the best team in the NFC, and then you would say, well, no, it's Philly, and then all of a sudden, well, San Francisco this week looks good, and... But Buffalo in the AFC, there have been teams, I think Kansas City, you would make the argument, certainly. There were times where Buffalo fell out where, to your point, I mean, you know, they're playing wild card, eyes on the wild card level thing. But now that we're in December, if you look back, don't you feel like they or Kansas City, one of those two, have been the consistently best teams in the AFC that have never really fallen off all season long? You know, the only team I throw in there, Jake, is Miami with Tua. That's true. I mean, in Miami, it might be like Marcus Erickson. Like, nobody thought about him until the end, and you're like, wait a minute. They have not gone away, right? And then you look at who the Colts are playing Sunday night. What Dak Prescott has done since returning from injury, I think they're averaging 33 points per game. It was like 21 with Cooper Rush. I get Kansas City. I get Philly. Games the Colts certainly competed in and obviously beat Kansas City. Jake, this has several ingredients to being very ugly for me. Dallas is good. The Colts are not. Dallas has 10 days off. The Colts have six days off. It's on the road. Philly and Kansas City are both at home. Dallas is probably the most complete team the Colts have faced when you talk offensively, defensively. They are one of the best sacking teams the NFL has ever seen. Micah Parsons is an absolute stud. And unlike T.J. Watt last week, Parsons, at least he did it against the Giants, I know he moves around, he's going to be opposite Bernard Ryman a whole lot more. And I think you add up all of that, and you know, there was a moment yesterday during practice where Jeff Saturday, and I had never seen Frank Reich do this, during the open media availability, they get done with stretching, I want to say they got done with special teams drills too, and they're getting ready to divide up into their position drills, and Saturday calls everybody together. Sounded like he wasn't too happy with how the walkthroughs have gone this week. And it was our first practice of the week because, you know, short week, they didn't practice Wednesday. So, in a way, you know, he kind of lit into them. I don't want to act like it was throwing chairs or anything like that. But it had the feel to me, Jake, of like, this is a football team that's played 12 straight games. Right. They have the longest bye week, the, the, the latest bye week in the NFL. Are they just clinging and waiting for the bye week? Can they not wait for Sunday at midnight to get here? And they've got to go out and play one more football game until they get that bye week. You know, it kind of feels like when you were in high school, this time of year, right, where you're like, oh my gosh, I got one week, one week left of the nine weeks, and then we get holiday break, and we're off school for three weeks. And just Yeah, that was you the first week at Kansas, right? <laughs> first day. <laughs> Wait a minute, when, when do I leave? But do you think Jeff Saturday came to that point when Jeff Saturday is is kind of laying into them or observing or whatever else? Do you think he still feels like an interloper? Do you think he is still seen as like the outside guy that like, well, this is cool, fresh new voice, or is he now like, hey, listen, I'm the guy now. I'm the sheriff. Here's the law. Here's how it's going to be. Yeah, I think that. Um, I think he exudes that confidence. I think he feels like he has that presence. And then again, I thought he handled it very well, the early transition. But this is the root of 
what we've talked about now for the past month, I think the problems are more personnel-based. And that, you know, one coach isn't just going to walk in that building, snap his fingers, and all of a sudden, you're making a run here in the month of December. Uh, what's the line, Mark? 10 and a half, 11? I will check, but the last I checked, it was 10 and a half. I think that would be the biggest for the Colts, biggest underdog for the Colts since 2017. Really? Do you remember a game in Baltimore at rain, kind of right around Christmas? Jacoby was starting. Well, I mean, I think probably a lot of... How many games when Jacoby was starting were they favored? Well, yeah. Not not many. Ten and a half. You guys both just sound like the Spartan of... Bill, uh, of I know. Spartan Bill of Health here. We'd have good, like... Vo- I'm very confident sharing these close confines with you guys. If you need voiceover work, we'd, pr- we'd be pretty good at it, right? <laughs> sound like Zeus? Yeah. Or anti-smoking things. Put down the cigarettes. <laughs> Jake, who's the greatest life? NFL player that went to high school in the state of Indiana? Rod Woodson. I think the guy the Colts are going to see on Sunday could be that. Think so? Zach Martin, 10 seasons, 6 All-Pros. Met his brother yesterday at the gym. He said hi, by the way. Really? Mm-hmm. Is my- it Josh? Is that his name? Uh, with Josh and Nick. He's well, got two of them. Nick, I believe, is still with the Commanders. Is that correct? Yeah, two of them are in the league. Josh is the freshman football coach at Chittard, played nice. at UND. And I was sitting there at the gym yesterday, and he was talking to a, a, a young person. And the kid called him coach. And I said, oh, where do you coach? And he said, I'm the freshman football coach at Chittard. We got to talking. He asked what I do. I said, I do sports radio. And he actually said, do you know Kevin Bowen? And I said, yeah. And he said, yeah, I listened to him in the morning. And I said, well, then... Theoretically, you probably listen to me too. Look at that. I work with him. He's nice a good guy. Dude. Real yeah. nice guy. Re- really good family. Uh, Zach Martin, 10 years in the league, looking like his seventh All Pro season. I get he plays guard, but this is a guy that will be with Rod Woodson one day in Canton. Yeah, I would agree with that. I mean, the, you know, Rod Woodson was labeled as one of the 75 best players in the history of the game. Sure, sure. But yes, in terms of their. In terms of during their playing period being perceived league wide as the top one or two right. of their position, pretty indisputable. Oh, you're, you've got on a soccer kit today. Yes, I got on a U.S. kit. Uh huh. That's nice. Do you know the uh, player? Uh, Ronaldo? Sure, yeah. Josie Altador. Thank you, Mark. Yeah. What? Well, I. I'm letting the audience know. He turned around and it says the name on the back. Are you supposed to get credit for knowing that? I couldn't see the number. Well, I, I, did, I didn't hear I didn't you say it, Jake. I didn't know if you knew. He turned around and it says Altador on the back. Did you know the first name? Of course. Of course. <laughs> I don't know about that. Will you be bunkered up tomorrow at 10 a.m.? U.S. against the Dutch? I will be bunkered up, yes. Probably trying to fight off whatever it is that you guys are giving me today. Christian Pulisic, day-to-day, still with that pelvic contusion. Uh, these are the teams so this is that have advanced. Again, we are this down is to 16. This win and move on or? Point blank period. Win and move on. Yep, okay. One and done. NCAA tournament. Um, again, it'll be the U.S. and Netherlands. Then Argentina and Australia is right below them, so they'll get the winner of that if they advance. Japan and Croatia. The bottom part of the bracket, you have England and Senegal. France and Poland, Morocco and Spain. Morocco's a big surprise, right? I would say Morocco, and I would say Australia is a surprise. 
Uh, Brazil and Portugal are also through. They will play today, so we'll get two more teams along with Brazil. Wait a minute. And Portugal. Brazil and Portugal face each other? No, they are through. I was, was going to say, because yeah. that, I'm going off stereotypically here. I know soccer fans are going to hate me because I'm not. But I would think that Brazil and Portugal, I mean, that's basically two of the top upper echelon pro, you know, clubs, right? Whatever, you, nations, right? We are the only, I think I can say we, right? I mean, I'm wearing the kit. Uh, we are the only CONCACAV nation to advance to the knockout. So in our region... Of the four teams that made it to the World Cup, we are the only ones left. Okay. So, do you think now, the Concacaf fans will come to our games and chant Concacaf like, yeah, it's like SEC the, fans chant? It's like the fifty-three state finals. You know what I mean? Like Milan advances through, and everybody's or fifty-four, and everybody's cheering for them because they advanced. You know, yeah. Cambridge City's there because they got knocked out by Milan. Now they're cheering for them. Howard County. Let me guess what Concacaf stood for? Do you think you could figure it out? No chance in hell. Of course, Central America would be my first two guesses. It's in there. Central America, North America, Football Federation. Confederation of North, Central America, and Caribbean Association Football. Okay. Of course. There you go. Um, Costa Rica, Mexico, Canada. I like Senegal. All out. I'd like to see Senegal do well. That'd be cool. In 2014, am I correct in saying, I know we went over this before and this was a dangerous thing to do. I'd love to look it up, but I can't right now. Um, the United States, this is one round less than they got in 2014, right? Didn't they get to this level and then win to advance and then they were beaten? Am I- They've only been to one quarterfinal. Mark, feel free to look this up. And I want to th- say it was 2002. So when they played Belgium, I think that they didn't make it in 18. 14 and 10, I believe they lost to so, Ghana and Belgium, respectively, both in this round, this round of 16. Okay. I, I thought Belgium eliminated them in 14. Am I, am yeah, I, I think it was Ghana in 10, Belgium in 14. Gotcha, I have that okay, right. gotcha. So 14, when they either, I can't remember if they lost to or they went level with Portugal, that would have been to get out of pool. Play, out of the right? group, yeah. Out of the group, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, it was 2002 that they got to the quarterfinals. They finished eighth overall. And they lost to Germany. Is that right? Looks like they lost to. So here's my. Let me see. So here's my question without sounding like a complete. Not trying to sound like a cynic, though it's going to sound that way. If the United States right now, if we are in 2022, and the United States getting out of their group and into the round of 16. And people are like, this is massive because this is the step necessary. I know they're very young. For four years from now, to, to really cement soccer as a U.S. sport. But we're 20 years removed from when they got even one round further than that. Yeah, they lost to Germany 1-0 in the quarterfinals. Then, I think this is the youngest team in the World Cup, Jake. And I look at it a little bit like the Pacers. Take tanking, obviously, out of the equation. You do this every four years. You want your guys to get a taste of this stage. I, I get it. And so I think the, the the thinking here is Tyler Adams, the youngest captain, I thought I saw by four years of any country in the World Cup. So you couple that with, again, the youngest starting I mean, lineup I guess in the World Cup. you could say that the reason that we have young early 20s players right now doing well is because it was a big deal in 2002. I, you could make that argument, sure. I guess. Sure. You could. But either way, 10 a.m. on Saturday, right? Yep. Again, U.S., okay. And the Netherlands. Some other um, Indiana-related names on the Cowboys roster. Peyton Hendershot, 
IU tight end. And he's gotten reps, right? Did he score on Thanksgiving? Did they did. do the Salvation Army thing? Malik Hooker? Is Matt Overton still snapping for him? Really? Matt Overton kind of cracks me up because the former Colts long snapper on Twitter will like break down Colts games. And I'm like, yeah, you, you play for the Chargers now. He was in real estate at one point. Right, but like he would be... You know, I mean, he's obviously kind of assigned, usually at this point, a guy that gets signed up to, to long snap for people, which is cool and well-deserved, and credit to him for always kind of being ready to go. But he, like, talks about the Colts in, like, the we and they terms, and it's like, well, yeah, I think he is still with Dallas. He, he retweeted the Cowboys 21 hours ago. Yeah, maybe we could search his timeline. He might have some Jeff Saturday Raiders tweets. That's right. Which I guess Jeff Saturday was correct on that. Uh, the lineup for today: Greg Rakestraw at eight. We'll talk a little bit more football with Rake. Rob Blackman, who's had a busy, busy week. So appreciate it, Rob, voice of the Boilers. Uh, what Portland, Tallahassee for him? Does he do sidelines for football? He does like pre and post game for football. Pre and post game, I think okay. maybe sidelines as well. Yeah. And then voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, coming up at nine o'clock. I've got a bit of a what I think is a pretty jarring Matt Ryan stat. I want to throw at you, Jay, coming up a little bit later in the seven o'clock hour. Um, we'll put your math brain to the test with that. Oh, one. Oh, good. Yeah, that's that, get me two weeks from the finish line, and now all of a sudden I'm. We're just prepping you for the final. <laughs> Finals the sixteenth. So we have. 12-team college football playoff officially announced yesterday, beginning in 2024. I saw that. So basically, Purdue would be playing for a trip to the playoff tomorrow night. Actually, yeah, I mean, you're right. They do it by rankings as opposed to saying, we're just going to take the two conference finalists from the four major conferences, let's say, plus four more. They wouldn't do it that way, would they? I think they take the six conference champions Yep, and then six at-larges. Yeah, that's probably right. So basically, I saw this yesterday. If the playoffs were instituted right now, Georgia, Michigan, TCU, USC, those beer buys, these on-campus matchups, number 12, Tulane, number 5, Ohio State, number 11, Utah, number 6, Bama, number 10, Kansas State, number 7, Tennessee, and your Tigers heading to Happy Valley to take on Penn State. Clemson would beat Penn State. Right? I love all those. And I love the, the on-campus feel. What How about question? Tulane getting included, which is cool, right? right? Th- that might be my favorite one. Honestly, one of the questions I have, though, is I thought I saw yesterday in the release that the quarterfinals, I guess you would call them, they would be on like December 20th or 21st. Correct me if I'm wrong, but aren't students back at home? Well, this is what, to me, Kevin... The, the I want students there. The point addressed forever by the NCAA in opposition to doing a college football playoff was it would take too long away from class. And I'm like, except for that it's like 90% of universities aren't even in session between right now and January like 5th. So, or soon to be from here to January 5th. Whereas the NCAA tournaments, the entire month of March, when kids are on campus the entire time. How much class is a North Carolina basketball player attending? Well, that's probably a bad example. Um, During the month of March. I mean, they're playing, theoretically, three straight weeks on the road, leaving every Thursday. I I know it's weekends, but you get my point, right? 
Yeah, and uh, again, I... Do you have two things of coffee going on here this morning? Well, one's tea. I actually did not drink coffee this morning. Uh, it's probably the first time I've done that in over... Boy, probably over a year. Tea better for your throat than... Now, is, tea, is that caffeinated tea? No, it's just... I don't know. My, my wife was like, yeah, drink this. A lot of honey in it. <laughs> it, it tastes... I mean, as soon as it hits the back of your throat, it tastes great. Oh, really? Just okay, soothing. Well. Mark, have you gone with any? Oh, yeah. Tea. Alternatives. Yeah. What, about, what about bourbon or whiskey? That's supposed to be good. I, uh, trust Tequila, me. Cross my mind. Yeah. <laughs> you know, what, what, what didn't help the situation is... And I'm very grateful that my parents wanted to do this last night. My parents, Rosie and I, went to Newfields for the lights. Oh, yeah. That's a Christmas Eve tradition. So we got me. some of that spiked hot cider. I was like, this is going to be perfect. You know, a little whiskey cider. I mean, that right. seems perfect. But then I'm like, God, it was 25 degrees outside last night. The, I'm walking around for an hour. The Newfields lights, and I know that there are obviously an array now of places that do the holiday lights. Newfields lights, to me by far the most like romanticized holiday like christmas feel outdoors it only takes unless you now you have the little ones so you probably do maybe more of the activities or whatever but realistically what's it take to go through there was the house open yeah and the house is pretty cool i mean 45 minutes yeah but it's pretty awesome yeah now you mark you mentioned tequila have you ever actually eaten the tequila worm no would you sure really why not like i went to Mexico, I bought a $2 bottle of tequila. This was in 1996. I went to San Diego with Jeff Hester. We went over into Tijuana, and I bought a bottle of tequila. Somehow I brought it back. This must have been pre-restrictions on amount you can take on an airplane. I, somewhere at my parents' house, there's still the bottle. Like I saved it like it was some valuable bottle of yeah. tequila, but it has the worm in the bottom. Now, would you eat that? How long has it been there? Uh, 26 years. I got to get a look at this worm. I mean, it's still... it's sealed it's never been opened sure <laughs> with my bill of health at the moment what, can, what can, it's gonna kill I was gonna say, you might as well sure you know well it could put you over the top that's fine i don't know did i miss something on cameroon soccer did they advance i thought they were still playing brazil and portugal right mark those two have already advanced they play today correct so we still need two more teams yeah, so you got Ghana, Uruguay, South Korea, Portugal, Cameroon, Brazil, Serbia, Switzerland, and tomorrow starts the round of 16. Again, that one thing of the college football playoff, I, I get that, you know, obviously some students live within driving distance of, the, of those respective campuses, but, you know, if you're an IU grad and or you're an IU student and you live in California, uh, obviously I'm saying IU like they would right. ever host a college football playoff game. If you're a Notre Dame student, and again, Notre Dame financially maybe in a different situation i think the appeal of having them on campus is the appeal to create unbelievable environments your students do do that right so they got something to keep an eye on with the college football playoff Boy, can you imagine that i mean can you imagine if there was a playoff game hosted like at a at a warm weather place like a clemson or, or a, you know florida state or alabama lsu for that matter like in in like late december how cool that would be to go down there Oh. Just when it's, you know, you're on winter break, yeah. you're a student at Michigan, let's go, man. And again, if you ever get to the point where, like, what if it's reversed? Tulane is high up in the rankings, Jake, and it's Ohio State going to, what, 30,000-seat Tulane? Right, right, Or whatever that would be. Tulane Stadium, so. the original home, if I'm not mistaken, of the New Orleans Saints, by the way. That sounds like a Scotty question. It's where Tom Dempsey hit a 63-yard field goal that at the time was the NFL record. He had the square shoe? That is correct. Toe basher? Slight, slight advantage, right? I mean, the poor guy had a deformity where he had like half a foot, but he had his 
half his cleat was a like a steel block. That guy just can kick the heck out of the ball. Yeah, we should chuck Justin Tucker to see if he has that <laughs> yeah, right, right now. He's Jake Quarry. I'm Kevin Bowen. Mark Dykton. Again, a voice is here hanging on by a thread. We appreciate you <laughs> sticking with us on this Friday morning. Um, coming up again, Rob Blackman going to join us around 8.30. Greg Rakestraw at 8 o'clock. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor at 9. Kevin Quarry, 93.5107.5, The Fan. Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Last night in the National Football League, Josh Allen and the Buffalo Bills. A 24-10 win over the Patriots in New England. Best part of the game for New England, throwback uniforms. (laughs) This is one of the darkest days in Boston sports history. Okay, well... Mark, one more joke like that for Kevin to chortle at, and it yeah. might be you and I. <laughs> I know. I was going to say, home. I'm going to be back in bed in about 45 minutes. Uh, Josh Allen, like you said, 223. Jake, how about three straight double-digit wins for the Bills over Bill Belichick? Yeah, they're starting to hit their stride, too, maybe. I mean, we'll see. First team to go 3-0 and on Thursday night games, too, in the season. Yeah, they've played a lot. Thanksgiving yeah. and the opener, of course. Mm-hmm. and uh, So Buffalo now 9-3 and three for the moment above Miami and the AFC East. Miami's got San Francisco coming up on Sunday. Yeah, the um, the Patriots, that essentially, uh, maybe not mathematically, but symbolically that kind of puts the Patriots back to sit back down, doesn't it? That was a big blow. Yeah. Big blow because they still go to Buffalo. Coming up later this year. All right, Colts had their first practice of the week yesterday. Uh, today will be the final one. Again, a shortened week. Braden Smith out due to illness. No Jelani Woods after his strong game. Isaiah Rogers um, appeared to suffer some injury in practice. Um, he was limited with a knee injury. It does look like Quiddy Pay is getting back. And again, Kenny Moore still rocking that scooter. And looks like he's got some sort of brace or cast on his injured ankle. So he's going to miss... Some time here for Dallas. They also have got a couple guys dealing with illness. Michael Gallup and Trayvon Diggs, two important pieces, particularly Diggs as a cornerback. Uh, They missed their second straight day due to illness. Mark, what what, what are we doing? Yesterday you were were throwing that all over the place. (laughs) And now all of a sudden, don't tempt me. Can't get anything from you, right? Uh, college basketball yesterday, locally speaking, at least statewide, Detroit 75-66 over Purdue-Fort Wayne. Valparaiso loses to, I can't read my handwriting here, Belmont 76-64. Are there a lot of Valpo and Purdue-Fort Wayne fans in the area, you think? You know it. Speaking of Purdue, tomorrow night, Big Ten title inside of Lucas Oil Stadium is 17-point underdog, as you'd expect. Means a little chip on the shoulder of the boilers. Here's Jeff Brom on that. Uh, but our guys uh, have put into work. Uh, they're hungry. They got a chip on their shoulder. Uh, they're out to prove to people, you know, what they can do. And that's what you want. You want to c- coach a bunch of hungry guys that uh, want to do something special. And uh, I know they want to play as well as they can for our fans and for the people that support us and go out there and play a complete football game. Uh, by the way, you said chip, chip on their shoulder. You know, the young kids say for title games that this is their chance to win a chip now am i the only of the three in this building or in this room right now uh, not only who can speak without sounding stopped up but also who does not say chip ship I I, right don't they say ship not chip no i hear chip like yeah we're gonna go win us a chip oh i hear what, ship what do you hear i've from? heard chip before yeah yeah hmm. like all chips in but but just chip like i hear the water vessel the other one i hear a lot that i'm like is uh natty we're gonna go try to win a natty that's the dumbest it's a national championship a title just a title that's all that's, that's all rare here 
Pacers Jazz tonight, 8.30. Our coverage begins there. Tyrese Halliburton questionable with a groin injury uh, coming off the Wednesday night blowout with the Kings. You know what Kings. that leads to, by the way? Growing pains. <laughs> what? In my <laughs> opinion, that sucked. <laughs> I'm sure Mark and I will have a lot of patience seven, for that 7.34 today. in the morning, I'm able you, you know, You know who has a lot of patience? Groin doctors. 7.34 in the morning, I, I'm able that? to come up with that. What did that and, mean? And, well, a doctor has a lot of patience, Mark. That's what it means. Uh, See, but you said a like, groin doctor? Yeah, because he, because they have patience because there are people with groin pains like Ty, like Halliburton. Benedict Mather and Easter Conference, a rookie of the month. Are any groin month. doctors in the central Indiana area? Feel free to give us a call. 20, oh, well, they will. 26 minutes before 8 o'clock, and I'm already coming up with that stuff off the top of my head. You guys are slugging down uh, tequila with lime in it or whatever the hell it is to clear you. I'm over here just throwing daggers all over the place. I mean, I'm going to hit the tequila, not for medicinal purposes, <laughs> but for more of those bad yeah. jokes. Hey, slide that over here, Mark. Uh, and a- Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. I mean, Matt Ryan's stat. We'll hit on that next here. Kevin Corey. Mark right on cue with a little growing pains, right? Yep. Which is what uh, Tyrese Halliburton apparently has. The groin pains, though, right? Um... Matt Ryan with some growing pains, I guess, over the course of the season in his first year with the Colts. Odd to say for a veteran quarterback, and I think we all know the realities of what the long-term, or for that matter, very short-term future is going to be with the Colts. But, Kevin, you were saying there are some statistical, I guess, anomalies or would you say red flags that jump out? Yes, as red as red can be, I would say. I remember dating back to training camp, Jake, watching Matt Ryan in the offense, and I mean, he probably threw 200-some passes in training camp, and I would say two or three of them were completed past like 20 yards. And again, that's a time where you're wearing a red jersey, the pass rush can't touch you, can't even lay a finger on you, so you would think that would be the time where you try that stuff or you are able to hit on those things. So I was curious how that would play out during the season. There is a um, NFL comes out with an analytics stat. Next-gen stats is what it's called. Next-gen stats. And within that, they have a stat that is average yards a passer throws the ball down the field. So basically, a pass attempt, your intended air yards. How and This is for, obviously, completions or incompletions. Matt Ryan is at 6.2 yards per pass attempt for the season. Now... To put that into, what does that mean? 6.2 is dead last in the NFL among the 39 quarterbacks that qualify with a necessary number of pass attempts. These stats have been kept in the NFL since 2016. 280 quarterbacks qualify over that time period. And Matt Ryan is sitting at 279th. Uh, that's very alarming. Um, you want to know who's 280th? 
Say the qualifiers for the list again. Since 2016, you just okay. have to have X amount of pass attempts, you know, right. like 100 during the season, something like that. Average yards per, you're saying? Average yards per attempt. This so, person's still in the league? This person is not still in the league. He is on TV, though. Again, intended per attempt. So Since I drop year? back, I throw it. That ball goes seven yards in the air. That's my intended so number since, uh, since 2016. So that Orlovsky. rules out Orlovsky probably, right? You're on the right station. I think he's somewhat new. Hasselbeck? On the station. One of the Hasselbecks? And coming back from one of the most horrific injuries you'll ever oh, see, oh. Alex Smith. Okay. How is he on television, by the way? I think he's pretty good. So think about that, guys. Dating back to 2016, the only person that Matt Ryan has challenged down the field more than is a guy that looked like he would never play football ever again. Right. It is beyond alarming. This passing offense cannot do anything whatsoever from a vertical standpoint. How Not even like is, really vertical, semi-vertical. How much of that is on Matt Ryan and how much of that is on an inability? I, I think I know the answer here, but to be fair, if Matt Ryan had Stephon Diggs or you know a, a receiver that can get immediate separation or just one of those that's like just get it in the vicinity and they're gonna make a play, you know Jefferson, you know a guy that that is just gonna make a play for you, and or if he had a line that gives him time to sit and wait for guys to get separation if they can't get it automatically off the line, how much of that plays into this for sure him or I against th- him? I think it's a three pronged thing, Jake. One, it's a guy that's got a weak arm. Two, it's an offensive line that can't hold up for very long. And three, I don't think it's a group that creates separation at the level that you need to. I mean, think about the big plays they have hit on. I mean, th- think back to Michael Pittman's big catch on Monday. That was just a jump ball. The Alec Pierce plays, it's not like he's created four yards of separation. Right. You have never, find me a time this year you've seen a Colts wideout or tight end 15 yards down the field running free. Running two yards away from a defensive back. Um, you, you have it. So I think it's a three-pronged thing, but and we were talking Scotty Montgomery, the running backs coach, yesterday, and one of the keys that he pointed out was we have got to get opposing defenses to stop putting so many guys close to the line of scrimmage. Teams have zero respect for the Colts passing offense. Absolutely zero. And that is that stat backs it up. I mean, they don't attempt to throw the ball down the field. And to me, that's probably, and again, O-line, personnel at wide out and tight end, obviously the quarterback at 37 years old. There's a lot of factors playing into it, but that root of it, that's the biggest issue to the season. How can you expect your offense to move the ball at all when you cannot challenge teams down the field, therefore they just load the box and they feast on you? You know, one of the things I think that happens to quarterbacks when they get older, especially like Matt Ryan would be a prime example. I think this happened to Peyton Manning is – there are certain quarterbacks, Kevin, that their arm strength was just – they always had an arm where – or they had a receiver that blessed them with the fact of, like, I'm just going to be able to throw this ball into an area where, like, nobody else is able to get it, right? Like, just based on the, the velocity, I can, you know, in the, the short amount of time of the window that I have to get it there. But I, I think with Manning – 
and I, you tell me if you think Ryan fits into this category. With Peyton Manning, the thing that made Peyton Manning so great was he did not worry. When Peyton Manning knew, like clockwork, exactly where his receiver was going to be, when they were going to be there, and when they turned around, the ball would be right there for them. His timing was impeccable. It wasn't even necessarily about the velocity with which he got the ball there, but rather the anticipation of knowing that split second when the defender was going to have his back turn and that's where he would have the ball where it needed to be. And I think when Manning had the nerve injury, the thing that really hurt him in the first year there in Denver was from one pass to the next, he didn't know how long it was going to take for the ball to get where it needed to be. So his timing was completely thrown off. And that's why at times you're like, what is he doing? And in Matt Ryan's case, I feel like he wasn't necessarily a Jeff George throw it through double coverage because his arm is that strong it's going to fling past people kind of type of thrower, but rather just my accuracy is so pinpoint that I can put it right there. And once that starts to go away, what do you have? Like your timing is just gone, right? Yeah, you know, throwing with anticipation, I think, is something that's really, really important for a guy that doesn't possess, you know, the Mahomes arm or whoever right. else. Um, I think something that I've seen with Ryan but this when year. your arm is so inconsistent that you then, the anticipation isn't reliable one to the next is when it becomes tough, right? Yeah, I probably have noticed a little bit more, Jake, just jitteriness from Ryan. Yeah. Compared to Phillip Rivers a few years back. And there's probably a lot of factors at play there. Again, offensive line play. Um, I feel like when the pocket starts to break down, Ryan gets very anxious and, like, again, a little happy feet, jittery, uh, panicky, and the Colts are just unable to get anything done. It's got to be so perfect and so sound around him for him to tap into whatever um, passing offense you can muster. Um, and, I, and again, I find it very fitting that, you know, in the times you've come back this year or the times you've had passing offense success, I should say, it's really been through the no huddle. Now, you're not supposed to be drinking caffeine with the voice. Is that right? Is that what people are telling you here? Uh-huh. Just water and lemon? Yeah, I just got some tea during the break. <laughs> well, the tea has caffeine, right? Uh, it's non-caffeinated. Over oh, decaf tea? Mm-hmm. Well, that, I don't... That, that seems, seems lame. Pointless. Well, Mark, do you want to the throat it's to get the, better or not? It's the I'm drinking coffee, so I'm. It's the oduls of tea, right? <laughs> yeah. Now, Mark, do you have a? Are you going again, like circumnavigating around the Midwest this weekend? Or do uh, you, yeah, yeah. Where are you going this time? Nashville, Indiana, or Tennessee? Tennessee. We're gonna go stay at the uh, the Gaylord uh, Hotel, which is super nice. I oh, guess Gaylord Perry. He passed yeah. away yesterday. Yep, yeah, yeah. We're gonna go see the Gaylord Perry Hotel. Yeah. <laughs> Might stop at Bucky's, probably will. So if you guys want something, aside from a sinus infection, let me know. Well, how many Bucky's do they have between here and Tennessee? There's one or two. <laughs> so, however many there are, we'll stop there. <laughs> you you really are a Bucky's fan, aren't you? I'm telling you, we need they need to sponsor the show. This needs to happen. Well, they don't have. They're not in market. That wouldn't be. Doesn't a matter. The closest is Richmond, Kentucky, right? <laughs> yeah, it's close enough. <laughs> it's it's a four and a half hour drive for the market, but let's go ahead and actually, it's more like three and a half, right? It's worth the drive. I bet their name doesn't get mentioned in Richmond, Kentucky, as much as it gets mentioned in Indianapolis. Do they have Indiana. radio stations in Richmond, Kentucky? I don't know. We can find out. They just have a town crier, don't they? Signal reaches there. Um, did you see what what? 
I, I'm not even making light of this. Did we know if there was a resolution to the Antonio Brown situation last night? Uh, I did not see. Cops were outside his house trying to arrest him. Yeah, there was a warrant for his arrest for, I, I believe, domestic assault or domestic battery, something like that. And he didn't come out and told him that he had a stockpile of weapons inside the house. That was the last that I heard. I there's And I don't know. Were there teams that were interested in him at all? Or is it pretty much a foregone conclusion from everybody that... Yeah, I feel like what happened with the Jets at the Jets game probably said, see you later. Yeah, between that and what he's been posting about Tom Brady and Giselle, I feel like people like cut their losses. There was um, there was a play the Patriots had last night, though. Their only touchdown was to Marcus Jones. Marcus Jones is a punt returner and defensive back. It was the first time he ever played an offensive snap. I sat there and watched that play and thought, Shouldn't the Colts try that with Isaiah Rogers or Dallas Flowers right now? And I mean that in all seriousness. The Colts offense is desperate for a jolt, anything. Why not line up one of those corners, throw a screen to them, see if they can do something with the ball in their hands? I, I mean, they did it with, and I'm not saying that these are even comparison in terms of their athleticism necessarily, but uh, you remember the Cowboys eventually did that with Deion Sanders, didn't they? Sure. I mean, you're at the point now where your offense is boring as hell. Why not? I mean, New England's offense is equally as boring. They can at least run it, I think, a little bit. Um, uh, not according to Mac Jones, right? Well, yeah. Mac was not happy last night. I saw Belichick just had a press conference. You imagine, like, the game ends at midnight. You've got your post-game press conference, and then it's mandatory by the league that you have a press conference the next day, and he decides to have it at 7.30 in the morning. He did just have one? Yeah. You sure that was live? Live. On Zoom. wonder how that went. I mean, is there anything more that says just like I don't care whatsoever about the media or anything like that? I'm just gonna have a I press mean, conference six or seven hours after. I just that's had his whole deal, one. right? I mean, that's you know, like I've always said about Bill Belichick, though, Kevin. I, I've talked to a lot of people who have said that part of the gruff, short answer, difficult to deal with. Part of that's all kind of an act to just deflect, and that. Within his team, he's a pretty good dude, like a guy's guy, kind of a fun-loving guy. I mean, I'm not saying he's like walking around, you know, joking all the time, but you know, I mean, the the, the classic case being the Randy Moss Halloween party, and then he shows up dressed up like a pirate at a roller skating rink. You know, would he have done that for the seventh defensive back on the roster that asked him and invited him? Maybe not. I don't know, but. There is a little bit of like the whole, I'm not going to say a single thing because I'm smarter than everybody else. I mean, it does get a little bit old. Greg Rakesaw going to join us at the eight o'clock, top of the 8 o'clock hour here. We'll talk a little bit of everything from Rake. Any takeaways he had from the state finals last weekend? Again, the U.S. men's national team tomorrow. We'll see if he approves of my kit. Do you think he will be able to guess which player I'm, I'm rocking? If you give him the name and the number... Well, yeah, I would hope he would guess that. Yeah, I mean, the name and the number. Boy, the, I mean, name, the name and the number <laughs> could be a dead giveaway. I'm sorry. The, if you give him the what's the, the design and the number, will he know? Like, which, I don't know, which version of that? Is Jake drinking the or eating the tequila That's worm? That's right. I was going to say, some people say it's mezcal, not tequila with the worm. What's that? It's mezcal, not tequila. Mm-hmm. Okay. So is, it, is it mezcal? I, I, that you have at your parents' house? 
No, I think it's tequila. Well, that might be Bring right. it what, in. Let's have I, some fun. Pardon my naivete. What's the difference between mezcal and tequila? Wow. I mean, it looks just like tequila, and it's got a worm floating around. Bring it in. But that's probably right. Bring it in. I Great. think it has like a little bit of a cloudy look in it, too. Because it's well, yeah, it's 26 while. years old. <laughs> it's it's old enough to... The worm is now old enough to drink, by yeah, the way. It's got offspring in there. <laughs> that's the right. 20, the, the worm can now rent a car, so... <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. <laughs> Greg Rakeshaw joins us next. Look at Mark pulling up one of the more underrated and underappreciated Oasis hits. This is a great song. It's great. All their songs are great, man. Mm-hmm. You think Rex's going to know? Yes. Yeah, he'll figure it out. Greg Rakestraw is with us right now on the Payless Liquor Hotline. He also may have been listening earlier. Rake, um, were you listening by chance in the 7 o'clock hour? Uh, I was asleep until 7.55, so that's a no. (laughs) Appreciate your honesty. And appreciate you waking up with us. I am wearing a U.S. Men's National Team kit of a player that played, I believe, on both the 2010 and 2014 World Cup teams. Any guesses? Any hints you can give me? Um, Native of New Jersey. Wasn't even really thought to or, be... Or in, new kit, actually, in his term. Wasn't really thought to be in this cycle of guys making the team. I believe he still plays, though. Um, Alejandro Bedoya. Ooh, no. Um, he's a midfielder or striker. Played in both the 20 and 2010 and 2014 teams. Yeah. Have a current, have a current team. Played in Toronto I, for a long time. I think he scored, if I'm not mistaken, in one of the World Cups. Well, would that be Josie Altidore, then? Okay. Great work, Rake. Thank you. I guess there's probably not a lot of guys Unfortunately, that... his, his 2014 was very brief. He was injured in the first match and then was done for the rest of the World Cup. Greg, to put the World Cup in... He did score, right? I believe so, yes. Greg, to put the World Cup right now into, the, into a language that a broader audience can understand, I'm not saying people don't understand it, but you'll get what I mean here. Um, now that the United States is out of group play, they are facing... The Dutch, that is the equivalent in the NFL of what two teams getting ready to square off in the playoffs in terms of likelihood of getting to the Super Bowl. This would be... Really testing his brain early in the morning. The Dutch remind me of the Tennessee Titans. Okay. Okay. Good team, beatable. I like that. You know... And so I'm trying, so, so the USA, I'm trying to think of the equivalent of, of this year, what they would be. They would be kind of like the the New York Jets. Mm, no, I don't know if I like that. Just, just this year, a team that maybe not that much was expected of, but are clearly heading in the right direction. Right. Okay. Fair. I was thinking very poor man's Miami Dolphins, like I, a young Dolphins team. I thought of, yeah. Yeah, that's also a, a, a similar comparison. I would agree with that. Um, so tomorrow at 10, again, it'll be the United States and Netherlands. Uh, the health of Christian Pulisic, Rake, I assume, is pivotal for this match? 
Absolutely. I mean, because he is so much of what they generate offensively. Uh, you know, what this team has shown is that defensively, they're really good. Um, and the strength of this group was thought to be in the midfield. I think that's accurate. The big weakness, and it's not surprising given the fact the U.S. has scored twice in three matches. What they are missing is a striker in top form. You know, that has been kind of a rotating chair up top. The guy that we thought it was going to be a year ago uh, was Ricardo Pepe. I think he can be that guy. I'm still somewhat surprised he wasn't called upon for this World Cup roster uh, by Greg Berhalter. But it's just not going to be a bunch that scores a lot of goals. They're going to have to win matches one nothing, which we saw them do against Iran the last time out. So Pulisic is such a big part of what this team can generate offensively that it would be – it, it's not a not a death sentence if, they, if, they, if he doesn't play tomorrow or can't play 90 minutes, but it's a lot easier than them to, to, to create scoring chances if number 10 is out on the field. Greg, here's my soccer neophyte question of the day, as if my others have not been. Um, is there a different style of play of soccer that wins in these competitions versus what you would see strictly when guys go back and they're playing professionally? In other words... Does the World Cup all of a sudden, you know, because of the the nature in which the games are played, the scheduling, etc., is a different style effective in the World Cup than it would be, say, for Man U or Barcelona in their respective leagues? Does does that make sense? What I'm asking, and, and am I a sure. moron? Or the Indy Eleven? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure if it's a, a a style in particular. World Cups and international events like this are so much more random. Just because, yeah, you have some situations where, you know, this group has largely been together, you know, ever since, let's say, the pandemic ended, so the end of 2020. You know, with, with, with a handful of, of guys that, that aren't here, um, Chris Richards, Reggie Cannon, Zach Steffen, et, et cetera, um, you know, most of this group have, have played together. Oh, now what would be... 20 to 25 to 30 matches. And I may be off my count a little bit. But but that's that's broken up over the course of two years in different chunks. You know, a Premier League season is 38 matches. A Major League Soccer season is 34 matches. There are leagues in Europe in which you play 46 matches if you have a 24-team league, like, say, in the level below the Premier League in the championship. And so... Styles can vary, but but it's just, there's a lot more of a random nature to it. Like for example, you know, to, to make the round of sixteen, you got to play good for for ten days. You got to play well for a week and a half. Uh, and and you know, the course of a Premier League season goes from August to March. Heck, and in the eleven season, or not March but May, in the eleven season goes from March until October. And so our style's a little bit different. Yes. But again, this competition, there's just some there's some randomness to it because it's so important in such a small amount of time and a limited number of games. Rick, what's your best remedy when you're losing your voice? Uh, are you dealing with that or do you think I'm dealing with that? Oh, I am. Um, stop talking. Let Jake do the show. Go home. <laughs> okay. It sounds like oh, yeah. it sounds like Jake's dream right Greg, there. Greg, let's be honest. That's a remedy you have never adhered to. Well, I, I think the first time that you – I mean, I can't say the last time that you and I have done a show together. Um, I, I guess, you know, other than just simply month of May stuff, 
Um, I, I, I think it's going to be Query and Rakestraw on Monday instead of Query and Schultz. So I, I will have you know some experience to, to, to base that off of coming up on Monday morning. <laughs> All right. So you don't go tea or honey or any of that? Um, I just I, I have a bag of holes with me and yeah. down them on a regular basis to numb the pain is what I usually do. Uh, we have numb not the pain. We have not talked with you since the state finals. Your biggest takeaway from last Friday and Saturday down at the drum. Uh, Center Grove, um, the fact that they won kind of in their in-between year and knowing that while they do graduate a lot of kids off this group, there's kind of another wave of talent coming. You know, this could be an historic run for them. They are the first team in the largest classification to play in four consecutive state championship games since the team that is widely thought to be the best in state history. You know, because we've had those conversations in previous years. Um, you know, the 2003 through 2006 Warren Central run from 20 years ago. Next year, Center Grove could possibly be the first in the largest classification to win four consecutive, you know, since that group did it. Um, the Valparaiso Whiteland game was absolutely fantastic. Um, I, I think that, um, you know, those two teams could play 10 times. They'd go five and five against each other. Um, and, and then the dominance of the teams from the southern half of the bracket in 4A. The last several 4A championship games have not been close because the team from the South, which has been different teams, have absolutely thumped the teams from the North, which has also been different teams. So, And, and when Chittard's in 3A, they're going to win. That, that, those are the things that immediately jump out to me about you know last week's state championship games. Greg Regstra is our guest. He's on the Payless Sickers Hotline. Of course, one of his responsibilities is that of doing the postgame show for the Indianapolis Colts broadcast. That will be, and Greg, that's why you're mentioning Monday, you're going to be burning the midnight oil probably in the seat that one of the two of us is sitting in right now in here after Sunday night football between the Colts and the Cowboys. And I was asking Kevin this. I do you think that there is or do the Colts have to battle the the mental initiative of just turning the page and saying, you know what, it's over. Now we're moving towards beyond the last month of the season. And is there a challenge in getting everybody on the same page of, no, we still got games to play? You know, I, I, I almost think that that mental hurdle block um, will be easier to deal with after the bye. I almost think that it's a little bit easier to say, okay, four games left to go. Is it going to be a playoff team? No. Are they still mathematically alive right now? Yes. Are they going to be a playoff team? Of course not, um, watching how they have played. Um, but but I, I kind of think once you get that separation for a few days from the bye, it'll be easier to kind of to, to, to acknowledge kind of where you are. The one thing I will say is this. I was out there on Wednesday, and I, I'm curious if Kevin may have noticed the same thing. I heard Jeff talk about this, and, and I kind of heard Matt Ryan allude to it as well. It was the first time I heard guys almost almost mention, "Hey, you're 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 putting tape out there." Yep. It's it, it's almost things you talk about at the end of the preseason. You know, where I, where I heard guys talk about, "Hey, you're, you're, you know, you're you're on film for 31 NFL teams." I'm like, okay, this is a bit of a of a paradigm shift and and looking at things differently. So even though I I, I acknowledge it and I agree with it. It was still jarring to hear that from the head coach and from other players. So I think there is an acknowledgement of exactly where this group is right now. Yeah, late November. I'm not used to hearing that. 
especially inside no. of that building. Um, yeah, I definitely heard the same thing. Rake, obviously Purdue, unbelievable what they accomplished last week, men's basketball and football. You watched a lot of Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer. I know it's not necessarily apples to apples, but when I watch those two, I get a little bit of a feel of like the Villanova guard-led teams. Or, you know, as a Notre Dame basketball fan, you know, when they had like Chris Quinn and Chris Thomas together, or, you know, Demetrius Jackson, those guys. Again, I know it's not the exact same style of play, but when you've got these extremely skilled guards, and Braden Smith's case can bring it on both ends of the floor, I just think that can do so much for your program in getting you on runs. I'm just happy that what I kept saying all of last year was accurate, that those two dudes can play uh, and, and that they would be helpful to Matt Painter's team immediately. I, I, I saw more of Smith than I did Lawyer, although I had a good amount of, of Fletcher's games, you know, I guess late in his junior year and, and, and then numerous times in his senior year as, as they made several trips to Indianapolis to, to play as good a competition as they possibly could heading into the postseason. Um in terms of, you know, the comparison I've always made with Smith was, was Jordan Hulls. I want to give Mark Monteith credit because he made a comparison. I go, yeah, I see that too. So I, I saw this on Facebook for Mark about a week or two ago where he compared Smith to, to Scott Skiles. And I go, yeah, I see that too. And I, Painter I, I has said that. that. What's that? Painter has said that too. Yeah, yeah, I, 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 I see that. Uh, and so... Just the fact that those two guys, again, is there a possibility somebody leaves early for the NBA? Maybe, maybe not. There's always a possibility somebody decides to go play someplace else. See, that's the big one, Greg. You want to run as freshmen, and you're both kind of from the area. I think you'll stick around. But just the fact that this combo, in theory, could be together for four years is is a sight to behold. The, The thing that worries me of where we could be headed right now for college basketball is that I'm not saying the case with those two guys necessarily. I'm not saying it's not a possibility. But I look at certain players, no names specifically mentioned here, and I think, okay, is it possible that they are arriving on a college campus with the mindset of, I'm going to play here until the NBA comes calling for me, and if for whatever reason the NBA doesn't come calling for me, then I'm going to play here for one year, get some NIL money, then I'll transfer somewhere where I'm new and I'm shiny again and I can get the NIL money all over again and that we're going to start seeing players jumping around year to year. I know there are transfer sit-out rules and things like that, but I worry, Greg, and, and this is maybe me overthinking it, but I worry that players now, and I'm all for the NIL and people, I mean, I get it. I totally get it. But I just worry that players are equally going to exploit that. And as a result of that, it's going to be difficult to keep track of where guys are. I don't think it's going to be a situation of, I want to go someplace new. I think that's the case for guys that don't get much playing time. I think it's the case of, I want to make sure I make, I'm maximizing my dollars in the free market economy. Um, I, 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 you know, I joke that when the, with the transport portal, you know, we had hit college free agency. Now with NIL money, we have really hit college free agency. And so I think for those guys that, that get regular playing time, I think that will be the motivational factor if they are to go someplace else is, can I go make more money playing for another institution? I think that is what will drive that, Jake. It's Greg Rakestraw, ISC Sports Network, as Jake said, late night for him coming up on Sunday with the Colts and Cowboys. Rake, I will be inside of Lucas Oil Stadium, uh, very rare for me as a fan, on Saturday night when 
Seven minutes rolls around to go in the fourth quarter. What will I be witnessing? You'll be witnessing Purdue hanging around. Um, just because I don't think Michigan is, is – and I realize they, they were in the 40s last week against Ohio State, but I, I think Purdue can hang with them. Um, I think Purdue has – I did an interview in Michigan on Monday about this team. I said, Why, what makes you think Purdue can hang around? I said, because Purdue has, I think, an elite-level skill player at three or four different spots. And think Aiden O'Connell's a really good college quarterback. I think Charlie Jones is a really good college wide receiver. Clearly, Devin Mockaby can tote the rock, and Payne Durham's going to be an NFL player um, as a tight end. I think that will allow Purdue to hang around. You know, the only team of, of similar ilk that they played out of the East was Penn State. It was a 35-31 game. You can do the comparison shopping as to how they played against Illinois, and that was in the relatively recent past. Purdue fought much better against Illinois, had a much easier time with the Illini than Michigan did. So I, I would think in the fourth quarter, this is a seven or ten point game, and, and I'm not sure if it's going to be you know crazy high scoring or not. So I, I, I think Purdue is going to be is going to hang around this game maybe more than some people think they will. Greg, was Maccabi a can't miss player coming out of high school? Was he a Mock big time? To put up insane numbers. Played at Boonville, which is three A. Track guy, right? Uh, he, I, and he was supposed to play for the Naval Academy, I believe, or one of the service academies is where he was going to go. For whatever reason, that changed, and he became available. So he put up crazy good numbers. He just did so against not the best level of competition. Speaking of the academies, do you think it's weird that Air Force runs almost specifically a ground game and Army throws the ball? I think it... Uh, Wait, Army throws Army, it now? Is Army back to throwing it now? Or they well... Because I've always thought of it as more of a ground-and-pound offense, too. Yeah, yeah they, they I thought the over-under was like 22-and-a-half. when Army-Navy Army play... Or when... Um, I'm sorry, it, it's it's Navy. I'm thinking that Navy runs also the option. But Air Force is the one, I, I guess, that... When I was watching Air Force, I'm like, these guys run the option. They, they never throw the ball. Army at least will occasionally throw the ball. Against UNLV last year where they literally never threw the ball for an entire game. Did nothing but run the ball. Navy's won like five games in the last ten years where they haven't completed a pass. Yeah. I mean, Which is awesome. It is pretty awesome. Rake, before we let you go, um, storyline or two to watch in the high school basketball season? Um, good question. Um, there was a game on Wednesday, which was rare, that caught my attention, because Ben Davis, I think, is one of the better teams in the state. Southport took him to overtime. And, and, and Southport has had some kids that have played as freshmen, sophomores. You know, they've got a young group. They have kind of grown together. And so that game, that was on my radar. I'll see Pike and Ben Davis uh, tonight. Uh, I will have your Cathedral Fighting Irish tomorrow night when they take on Centerville, who is led by Gabe Cup, who's going to play at Indiana University. Uh, that game is over the Sneakers for Santa Classic in Brownsburg. Other game of the featured two games there tomorrow is Ben Davis again, but against Kokomo and Flory Badunga, who is one of the top national recruits in the junior class. Kokomo got beat by Westfield, who is he's good, but is nowhere near it they were last year without Braden Smith and Cam Hafner, who are now playing at Purdue and, and Eastern Illinois, respectively. So that kind of result got, got uh, my attention as well. So, uh, you know, locally it's Ben Davis and Cathedral, but maybe we shouldn't sleep on Southport because they hung with a really good Ben Davis team a couple of nights ago. I lied. I want to throw this question that I know I do a lot to during the college basketball season. In the state of Indiana, I'm setting the over-under at three and a half. How many NCAA tournament teams out of the state this year? Hmm. 
For now, I would no. You know what? Over. I think the Big Four are all going to make it. I think. I think. You Notre think Butler, Dame, Butler and Notre Dame. In, Indiana Purdue make it, and then I think Indiana State, as evidenced by hey. their winning race, there's 19 more league games to go, but they've got a shot to come out of the valley. So, so let's say over that that you know two of Notre Dame, Indiana State, Butler make the NCAA field. By the way, Army this season 8.4 passes per game. <laughs> I love it. Navy, 11.1 pounds per game. I think they threw a lot against Notre Dame to get back in it. Air Force, 6.2. That's beautiful. Air Force is mixing in a little air this year. Absolutely. Love it. Rake, um, I thought I was getting some advice for you on the throat, but um, I guess I'll go stock up on, on some halls here after the show. Just, uh, you know, vocal probation is the way to go. After 10 o'clock today, shut it down. Got it. Thanks, Rake. Yep. It's Greg Rakestraw right there on the Payless Secrets Hotline. Jake, I forget this, and maybe you remember it from last year. So Michigan played Iowa in the Big Ten title game here. I felt like Michigan had to win that to secure their playoff berth, whereas the talk this year is if they lose to Purdue, they'd still get in. Does that aid Purdue at all? They smashed Iowa last year here at the Big Ten title game. But remember, you had Notre Dame lurking. You had Oklahoma State lurking. Right. You had like better one-loss teams, I think, right there. Whereas this year, you have Ohio State and Bama, and people feel like even if Michigan loses, they, they won't drop from two to five. Basically, I'm saying, will there be a level of complacency this year after the Ohio State game that there wasn't necessarily there last year? It's an excellent question. I, I feel like... I want it to be a good game. That's why I'm asking it. Okay, when does TCU play? Um, I want to feel like that's the first game tomorrow. Now, tonight's USC, you know. So, in other words, okay, so to your point, Michigan will know. But I think people think Michigan can lose, Jake, and still get in. Okay, here's the thing. USC tonight, TCU at noon tomorrow, SEC is at 4 o'clock, Georgia LSU. So, So, Georgia, bottom line is Georgia can lose, right? Sure. If Michigan goes in against Purdue... Knowing if SC and TCU have both already won, then Michigan knows that even though one would think there's no way Ohio State gets in over them, but Michigan may, th- when it comes, if it were any other team, Michigan would probably think, okay, you know, we're, we're probably okay. Michigan doesn't want to even leave a door cracked for Ohio State to be the one that gets in. So if Michigan knows that they win and the four is are cemented, they're going to come out. Absolutely. Would Ohio State really get in over Michigan I, after I, what I just happened? I would not think so. Unless, I mean, I don't know. If Purdue beats Michigan 28-3, to does Michigan stay in? I, you know. Jeff Brown be naked running up the monument if they win 28. Or maybe Tom Allen would be. <laughs> Relentless. Can you imagine if... Relentless. Can you imagine if, if, if IU football won the Big Ten championship, Tom Allen's reaction? It'd be this right here. Do we have it, Mark? No, I have it ready as I was yelling it myself. See, Mark, I think I said this when you played the clip earlier in the week. Every time I hear his voice, my voice starts to weaken. I I will tell you this. Not to turn it back to IU football. I I think it's over for Tom Allen. I think the buyout is... The buyout's big, there's no doubt. And maybe he's big through next year, too. He he may get one more year, but I think there are wheels, and I I just have a feeling. I don't have anything to base that on. I just have a feeling I think it's over for him. Legacy! Physicality. 
protection in one. Play as one. All three phases together. It's like he's just... Living out our DNA today, baby. Live it out. Live it out. Did he say living up our DNA today? What what does that mean? Relentless. Relentless. For 60 minutes. I think I might. Whatever it takes. Whatever it takes. I think I might play that clip for... uh, for I might play that for Rosie before she gets on the potty next time. Let's see if that provides a jolt in her. Bucket on three. One, two, three, bucket. You know what? In all honesty, what the end result would be would be about what Indiana's was in the bucket game, right? Hey, they hung in there for a half, and if Rosie can give me a half on the potty, that'd be huge. <laughs> Run around relentlessly and touch her, pointing at her and slap her in the back of the head. You got this in your DNA. <laughs> Maddie's like, should I call CPS or no? Uh, Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilers, joining us here in a few minutes. Uh, for now, more than check down. The Morning Checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at BallStateSports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. Mark, you said it yesterday, easy money, right? Buffalo Bills, Super three and a half. Yep. 24 to 10 last night, Bills over the Patriots. They That's three straight road wins in Foxborough for Buffalo. First team to beat a Belichick Patriot team by double digits in three straight games. They're now 9 and 3 on the year. Uh, by the way, in the association last night, just one game was played. I'm going to give this to you guys in trivia form because it's otherwise completely meaningless. Uh, what team won last night and what former Pacer led him in scoring? Mark? I'm going to say the Pistons beat the Mavericks, and it was Bogdanovich. Look at the big Look brain on Mark. Somebody gambled on Whoa, that game last night. I did night. gamble. I gambled and I won. Wow. It was, a, it was a good night last night. Now, did you guys see the former Pacer the- making his wildly long return tonight? A former Pacer. When you say wildly long, you mean it's been a long time since he's played a game? Insanely long. I believe it's two years. That would not be Edmund Sumner because he has played, right? Same team. Uh, this is for the Brooklyn Nets. The king of the bubble. Wow, really? T.J. Warren time. Okay, good for him, right? I, I mean, I think T.J. Warren, by all account, really nice guy, solid teammate, good player, and that foot injury just plagued and plagued and plagued him. So good for him. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Pacers tonight, they got the Jazz, saw their five-point underdogs. Tyrese Halliburton questionable with a groin injury. As far as the Colts are concerned, their injury report, um, no Kenny Moore. Jelani Woods is missed now two days in a row. Does look like Quiddy Pay will get back. I saw Isaiah Rogers. I got banged up in practice yesterday. And Brayden Smith, he might be dealing with the same thing Mark and I are dealing with. Uh, He missed due to illness. Dallas has got several guys out due to illness, so that'll be something to monitor. Hey, hey, Kevin, are you well, going into the complex and throwing around your ish like you the final? Been, although Mark gave it to you, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just over here as far away from you guys as possible. What's that? Honestly, I think the kids gave it to me. Yeah, yeah. Don't blame me. We got a little RVS. What section. do you mean? Don't blame I'm me. way over here. We're all well, six yeah, feet apart. Yell, yell again, just to get the germs out, please. Uh, no. <laughs> I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Perfectly healthy. Shout out to IU women's basketball. Big hey, win last night over North Carolina. North Carolina. Terry Morin is building something, has built and continues to build something pretty special there. Notre Dame women lost on a last second shot to Maryland.
Uh, Indiana sweeping Carolina, though, men and women's side of things, right? And they got them in soccer coming up this weekend to go to the Final Four. That's right. Who you got winning, IU soccer or the U.S. men's national team? Can I come over and watch the game tomorrow? I'm gone. Won't be here. Oh, you're going to be in Milwaukee. Perfect. You and Shannon at a Milwaukee leave. bar at 10 a.m. with your Vlazes. That's exactly right. Leave a key for Kevin so you can hang Actually, out. tonight we're going. It's Mike Byron's 50th birthday tonight. And I didn't get invited? <laughs> Had a great conversation with him at your 50th. Uh, yeah, that is correct. Literally nice guy, right? walked out of the restaurant thinking, how in the world is that Jake's best friend? <laughs> you're not the only one that's asked that. <laughs> yeah, well, pays me. give Mike my my best, and we'll do. That'll be fun. We'll do. So tomorrow we leave for Milwaukee. Tomorrow morning we will listen to the World Cup, perhaps on the drive up. And in Milwaukee, I assume you will have one eye on the Big Ten title, Purdue and Michigan tomorrow night. Lucas Oil. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Stadium. Rob Blackman joins us next. 27 minutes before the hour of 9 o'clock here on a Friday morning in Indianapolis. Good morning to you. My name is Jake Query. Kevin Bowen, the other voice you hear here. Mark Dykton as well. It is Kevin and Query on 93.5-1075. The fan joining us now on the Payless Liggers Hotline. He is, at the moment, I don't know if you'd say the busiest guy in Indiana broadcasting, but certainly one that might be pushing his chest out more than most because he's been calling a lot of really good athletic competition both on the football and basketball side of things in his radio duties for the Purdue Boilermakers talking about Rob Blackman and Rob I'll give you um I'll give you the choice here we can begin by talking about the Big Ten championship football game we can begin talking about Matt Painter's group that you obviously know so well as the voice of the Boilers your pick which one do you want to start with can I take option number three and that's lay down and take a nap? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what we do every morning beginning at seven, yeah, brother. Say, sound like Jake. <laughs> it's uh, been quite a quite a journey here. Not that I'm complaining. I mean, what a what a great problem to have. They have to get ready for a Big Ten football championship game. But I, I guess let's talk basketball first, guys. Uh, Purdue obviously goes out to Portland and has great success in the Phil Knight uh uh, the Phil Knight Legacy Tournament. You know, not only do they win three games against high major competition, but the two of the three were ranked in the top ten at the time. So those are some pretty impressive victories. And then, you know, that was a trip where we we got home from that trip. We landed in at the Purdue Airport at four fifteen in the morning on Monday morning, and then we're right back on a plane Tuesday night to head to Florida State, and we arrived in Tallahassee. Tuesday morning about 1 a.m. and then played that night. So <laughs> that, that's why I'm begging for a nap. But what a uh, what a run for Purdue basketball, certainly to start the season 7-0. and And to really do it with a group that uh, uh, maybe probably fair to say a lot of Purdue fans did not see this coming. Uh, when you consider the youth of this group, starting two true freshmen in the backcourt uh, at, at the point guard and two-guard position and, and really having only one, you know, true returnee from last year that you felt like you could uh, you know count on uh, to give you a lot of production offensively in Zach Eady and he's been even better than advertised this year so uh, heck of a start for this team um, obviously we're we're only here in uh, in early December uh, still a long way to go with this with with this group but the fact that they're seven and0 and and you know I was just thinking about this before you guys called this morning the win over Marquette uh, 75 to 70 I think was the final 
that's the only that's the only single digit victory Purdue's had. I mean, Purdue not only and is Rob, winning all these winning these games, they're winning them by double digits. You know what's interesting about that win over Marquette? I, I think we know that come March on Selection Sunday, that when they list quality wins for Purdue, that Gonzaga who may not be a top three team in the country, but I think we know that's going to be a good win. Obviously, the same in both counts holds true for Duke. That win over Marquette might be a, a nice little feather in the cap come March. Would you agree? Oh, yeah. I just look what they did to Baylor uh, earlier in the week. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely destroyed Baylor. <laughs> you know, that game wasn't even close. So, yes, that game will go a long way, certainly in the month of March, to, to helping your seed line. But, yeah. Uh, totally agree. And again, that's the closest game Purdue has had. That's probably the most amazing thing to me. It's not like Purdue has been squeaking out victories here against top top 10 competition. I mean, these games have been blowouts. <laughs> so uh, uh, off to a good start. Like I said, still only seven games in the season. You know, there's still a long way to go. But man, it's been a heck of a start to the season. Kenny's okay, Rob Blackman, voice of the Boilers. One more on the basketball front for me, Bob, or Rob. Um, when you think back to that schedule you just rattled off, what Zach Eady is doing and the number of minutes he's playing has really stood out to me. Like, I feel like when you see big guys have a rise in minutes, sometimes it just gets a little sloppier. Foul trouble, not as consistent, you know, hard to stamina-wise. Maybe your f- free throw shooting uh, is harder to maintain that consistency. And yet, it's 20 points right in the scorebook every night from him. And he, without him, on Tuesday, of course, I mean, Florida State probably wins that game. And that's on the heels of what you just said, schedule travel-wise. So, um, yes, Brayton Smith and Fletcher Lawyer, rightfully so, have gotten a lot of attention. But Zach Eady and that uptick of minutes, that's really stood out to me, how consistently um, he's produced. And he deserves to be probably the early favorite for National Player of the Year. I I saw that uh, same comment from a couple of college sports guys yesterday about the front runner for National Player of the Year. And, I don't know, it's kind of hard to argue right now with the numbers he's putting up, 20, what, 22 and 12, I think, right around there. Probably the most amazing thing about Zach has been his free throw shooting. I mean, he is, I think right now, 77% or something like that. I mean, which is uh, just an amazing uh, number for a guy that's seven foot four <laughs> to shoot the ball as well as he has from the free throw line. But, yes, you're correct. I mean, look, look when when the season began, most of the questions concerning Zach Eady surrounded his stamina and his ability to play a lot of minutes. Uh, he played 19 minutes game, a game last year. And all anyone wanted to talk about is, all right, well, if he would have played 40 minutes, here would have been his numbers. And while those numbers were, astru- were, were just uh, off the charts, the fact of the matter is no one's going to play 40 minutes in a game. So it's not realistic to say, well, boy, if the guy played 40 minutes, he'd average you know, this many points and this many rebounds. That's a moot point. No one's playing 40 minutes in a game. Um, but the fact that he's gone from 19 minutes to now roughly 30 minutes a game and appears to show no ill will from a, from a conditioning standpoint and, more importantly, staying out of foul trouble. Uh, Zach Eady has not been in foul trouble once this year, knock on wood. Um, and he's gone against some guys that have tried very hard to get him in foul trouble, Drew Timmy being uh, among one of the many. Um, so, yeah, I, to me, I thought uh, from a Purdue standpoint, I thought we were off to a great start at least from a fan base standpoint, when the first game of the season came and went, and Zach Eady had 12 points, 17 rebounds, and all I heard from Purdue fans is, what's wrong with Zach Eady? I thought to myself, are you kidding me? The guy just had 17 rebounds in a game, and you're wondering what's wrong with Zach Eady. Apparently nothing's wrong with Zach Eady, as has been evidenced by the numbers he's been putting up uh, this season. So, good point by you. Um, yeah, 
stamina certainly was a concern conditioning uh, coming into this thing, but he's worked very hard to get himself into shape, and and uh, he, he doesn't look any worse for the wear having to play these extra minutes here. Rob, what was – and I don't even know, Rob Blackman, if you would know this unless it just came up in conversation – during the course of the Gonzaga game, and I know we're going a little bit back here, but you mentioned Drew Timmy and Zach Eady and Timmy. They were showing on the on the TV broadcast each time those guys were lining up next to each other for free throws, or there was timeouts. They were talking to each other the entire time, and it didn't look like trash talk; like they were kind of like joking around with one another and just engaged in conversation. Is there a history between those two in terms of like being teammates somewhere along the way, or do you have any idea what it was they were talking about? Uh, I don't believe there's a history there, and I don't know exactly what they were talking about, but I did hear a number of our players on the bus going back to the uh, hotel after the game talking about Timmy uh, was all, was basically talking the whole game and not trash talk and not just to Zach. I think that's just his thing. He was just, if you happen to be lined up on the free throw lane beside him for a free throw, uh, he was going to chat your ear off. So I, maybe he's going to end up being in radio someday. I don't know. But, yes, I don't. I don't think there was anything specific there. I think that's just Drew Timmy. He likes to carry on a conversation when you happen to be standing close to him in a game. And I don't I don't think it was Zach Eady related. I think it just anyone wearing a Purdue uniform that was willing to listen, uh, he was willing to talk, it sounds like. What do you think has been, Rob, the thing to me that is so impressive about Purdue is Caleb first Mason Gillis, you know, with every possession, and we're going to talk a lot over the course of this year about their freshman backcourt, right? And obviously about Zach Eady, but the rest of the crew, there are so many guys that I see on that floor and I think to myself, that's a guy that probably could have gone elsewhere and been the guy, but he has a he has a defined role in this team as simply being one of the Pistons and not being concerned with being the whole engine. What is it about Purdue basketball that is allowed in an era of egos to get guys that buy into that? Uh, that's a tough one. <laughs> I don't think I have an answer, at least a straight answer for you, Jake. Um, I, My belief is, and while I've certainly never been recruited by Matt Painter, but I have a pretty good idea about what goes on in most of those recruiting meetings when he visits with players and, and parents. I do know the one thing they all talk about that they respect the most is that Matt Painter does not sell him a bill of goods. He just gives it to him straight. Uh, he doesn't promise playing time. He doesn't promise all conference uh, accolades. He doesn't promise you're going to get this many shots or, or, you know, whatever. He basically says, here's the deal. All The only thing we're going to guarantee you is a chance to to get on the floor, and if you're the best player, then you'll play, and if you're not, then you'll set the bench, is what it boils, basically boils down to. Uh, in the end, he's very upfront and honest with them, and I do believe, um, despite despite today's culture, I do believe there's still enough players out there and enough parents out there, probably more importantly, that do appreciate that honesty and are willing uh, to uh, – uh, uh, to get on board with a guy like a Matt Painter who just gives it to him straight. Um, and look, there have been there have been times where Matt Painter has missed on a recruit or two or three, and that's been the biggest uh, the knock uh, from the Purdue fan base on his recruiting style as well. You know, we're, we're not we're not promising these guys the moon, and that's why they don't end up coming here. Well, uh, those guys normally they get promised the moon, uh, at least in a Purdue uh, Purdue atmosphere. Uh, don't uh, usually don't work out very well for us anyway. So 
I just think it's his honesty in uh, in the recruiting process, and and and, uh, and again, not promising a guy that uh, that, that they're going to be a, a guy that gets uh, thirty minutes a game or, or twenty shots a game. Look, Trey Kaufman Wren. Uh, let's just cut right to the chase. He was offered by places like North Carolina. You know, the same North Carolina that went all the way to the national championship game last year. Not only did Trey Kaufman Wren choose Purdue, he redshirted last year. He voluntarily took a redshirt. So this is a guy that could have gone to North Carolina and played, and he decided to come Purdue and, and redshirt. Um, so obviously there are still guys out there that, uh, like I said, who, who that recruiting style works with. It works with them, with the player, works with their family. And uh, and those are the kind of guys that Matt Painter wants. And, and so far, so good, at least on that front. Rob, looking at tomorrow night, again, one of the biggest games really in recent Purdue football history, if not the biggest, inside of Lucas Oil Stadium. Two to three keys for you for Purdue to have legit game pressure on Michigan in the final few minutes. Well, you better win the turnover battle. I would start right there. Um, you look at the turnover numbers this year. I was looking at them last night doing a little game prep there. Michigan's plus seven, I think, in the turnover game, and Purdue is plus one. Um so you better find a way to win the turnover battle. I think it's going to be tough to beat these guys if you don't. And certainly if you lose the turnover battle, you're going to be in big trouble. Um, you know, secondly, can you find a way to come up with a big play on offense, whether that's uh, or maybe that's a trick play from your special teams? I don't know. Um, but the one thing Michigan's been so good about this year, I mean, forget their, I mean, their defensive numbers are off the charts. You, you look at how good they've been defensively this year. Uh, number two in total defense. I think they're number, number three maybe in scoring defense, and they have been all season long. The one thing they do is they don't allow the big play. There, there never is a big play over their head um, as far as a 60, 70-yard touchdown. They just don't allow it. So if you can find a way to come up with a big play or two, I would say that is that would be number two. And I would say the third, you know, if you're coming up with a third key, uh, you, you need Aiden O'Connell to be, to be the November of Aiden O'Connell of last year, uh, if that makes sense. You know, one of the reasons Aiden O'Connell found himself – back in August on a lot of these, you know, Heisman Trophy watch list, kind of dark, dark, dark list candidate uh, uh, list for Heisman Trophy is how good he was in November of last year. I mean, the guy was unbelievable. As Jeff Brahma said, maybe the best month of football he's ever seen from a college quarterback ever. Um, has Aiden O'Connell been that this year? No, no, he hasn't. But we've seen it. We saw it the entire month of November last year. If, if, if Purdue can get one game, one game, that being tomorrow night, of Aiden O'Connell of November of 2021, then Purdue will have a chance to win that game on Saturday. Rob, do we have an idea where Purdue would slot in terms of bowl games? And maybe I'm naive. There may be like a defined thing saying Big Ten championship game runner-up goes right here. How in the world does Quarry not know that? But is, do we know or have an idea where you may be going? Uh, the only guarantee at this point is if Purdue wins, they would be in the Rose Bowl. That right. is for certain. Right. That was confirmed. If Purdue loses... And there was there was a lot of discussion about that, was there not, in terms of the Rose Bowl? Or am I yes, off base? Yes, if, if uh, apparently if, if there was some type of uh, uh, wording that would have kept Purdue out of the Rose Bowl for some reason, I, I didn't get too involved in that, but it appears to have been confirmed yesterday that if Purdue wins, they're in the Rose Bowl no matter what. The only other thing I'm hearing, guys, uh, is that uh, if Purdue were to lose, it's probably almost a guarantee that they'll be playing somewhere in the state of Florida and playing on January the 2nd. So <laughs> I guess just look up the bowl games in Florida on January 2nd 
and it appears that's where Purdue will be if if they lose. That, well, that's what, what I'm hearing. Citrus or Outback or one of those, Kevin? Yeah, I feel like there's a lot. Yeah, Camping yeah, World or whatever. Yeah, they don't Gator. think it's Outback Bowl anymore, do they? But but anyway, yes, it's – I don't know. Again, I don't have them all listed in front of me, but uh, all I heard was Florida in January, and I thought, you know what, that doesn't sound too bad to me, so – <laughs> Good point. Rob, it's been a whirlwind of a week. Thanks for making a little time with us on this Friday morning, and uh, I'm sure it's been pretty enjoyable. So continue to soak it up and enjoy it. Excellent. Time for me to take a nap. There you <laughs> go. Rob well Blackman right there on the Payless Liquors Hotline. Purdue does open up Big Ten play coming up. Uh, men's basketball with Minnesota and then at Nebraska. IU's got uh, Rutgers on the road tomorrow. What is the Outback Bowl now? I, I always get that confused with the Capital One Bowl. It- are those different? Oh, gosh. I feel like all the bowl names just run together at this point. Yeah, I mean, that's it, it does get hard. For, the Relia Quest Bowl was the Outback Bowl. So it's now the Relia Quest Bowl. Okay. What, they probably quit calling it at the Outback Bowl like nine years ago. They um, saw Michigan announced yesterday Blake Corum, their star running back, out for the season. Um, now... Donovan Edwards came in the Ohio State game, had over 200 yards rushing. So, uh, Corum was, I think he tried to dress, him, or he did dress, but just couldn't give it a go, and they've decided to shelve him for the year. But Donovan Edwards, again, a big, big outing. I, there are going to be Saturday. some schools, Kevin, in bowl games in particular, you know, this is going to start happening more and more, though, that guys are going to sit it out, right? Well, I think that's the appeal of the 12-man, 12-team playoff. Yeah. As you are, you know, like I saw yesterday, Penn State, their star corner, Joey Porter Jr., uh, will not play in whatever bowl game. Well, if Penn State's hosting Clemson on campus, do you think he's going to play in that game? Right. I'd say yeah. So there's, I think that's part of the right. there's now good a, appeal. There's it. now a Fenway Bowl. Yeah, they um they did an overhead shot last night watching the Patriots Bills games of Fenway putting the field in. Is there still the Pinstripe Bowl, <laughs> Yankee Stadium? I'm looking here. The Lending Tree Bowl. You have the L.A. Bowl. Zach Martin was the MVP of the Pinstripe Bowl. It's probably never a good thing when the MVP is an offensive lineman. They should have a bowl game. Is there? Isn't there an animal called a paca? Isn't it like a llama? Alpaca? Huh? Alpaca? Because they could have like in Colorado, they could have the paca bowl, right? What Oregon. <laughs> I'm just okay. It is Friday. Uh, the famous Idaho potato bowl. Is I actually that thought that was one of your better ones. The paca bowl. Thank you. Wait, what's this one? The Gasparilla bowl. Matt Taylor in ten minutes. Kevin and Corey. <laughs> be at the alpaca bowl (laughs) yeah that's right would he be doing the coin toss at that game gonna hear that a lot a lot tomorrow night a lot of jukebox requests for mr brightside from the michigan faithful that is, I have no idea how or why that became, the only two things I know about the big house in Michigan, three things actually, number one, quietest 105,000 people to ever assemble, number two, they play that song during it and everybody sings, and number three, I don't know if they still do this, do you know Kevin Bowen or do you know Mark Dykton, once again trivia, putting you on the spot, do you know the name of the school that the Michigan football Stadium announcer always gives the score for on Saturdays, and the crowd goes crazy. And I have, I no believe, idea. I believe this began in the early to mid 1970s, where whoever worked the the PA at the University of Michigan during football games 
had like a family connection or something. I think he might have just said that he thought the name was funny. So he he read the score one time and nobody really caught it and then he just kept doing it every Saturday and people just caught on to the fact that like this this does not fit in with the rest of the scores. So now they always announce this school score at Michigan games and the crowd goes crazy. I've been there twice and I I can't think of it. Yeah, I have no idea. Slippery Rock. Hmm. Like those are scores from around uh, the country, Wisconsin, seventeen. You know, Slippery Rock defeats Indiana of Pennsylvania, and the crowd goes crazy. I, Where's that located? Slippery Rock is in Slippery Rock, Pennsylvania. It's a state university in the western portion of the state of Pennsylvania. What do you think the split will be inside of Lucas Oil tomorrow night? Sixty. Well, if you're a Michigan fan, you know you're probably going to the playoffs. You were just here a year ago. And in all likelihood, heading to, is it the Fiesta Bowl? Is that the first? Is that one of the semifinal spots? I think I'm thinking right now is Georgia, LSU, and Atlanta, or excuse me, Georgia, USC, and Atlanta, and then Michigan, TCU, I think out in the Fiesta Bowl. The, okay, so the Fiesta is one of the, I'm looking to see where the Nationals, the, the championship game is on the ninth, right? So, yeah, I mean, if you're Michigan, do you, you know, it's kind of like I can tell you, as a Clemson fan, you know, even the semifinals, it, it kind of got to the point of like, I don't know, do I really want to pay to go to the semifinal if I think they might go to the championship game? If, you, if you're somebody that only has the expendable income or the time off to go to one of the two, you know, I, I just discovered this, Kevin. I was just telling Mark this during the break. There are no bowl games on New Year's Day. Well, the NFL's playing. I was okay. So the NFL does play on Sunday. Colts Giants New Year's Day. Or I mean, I, I'm sorry. New Year's Day is on a Sunday. Uh huh. Okay. Well, there we go. That's why I was gonna say I was like, yeah, yeah. That's why you get everything pushed to January second. I'm very curious. I I'd love to see you know seventy thirty type of Purdue in there. Yeah, get, get I, I that would, place rocking a the little. The thing is, Michigan is still a bigger national brand, so I would think sixty forty Michigan. Brandon goes. I work in hospitality. We cover several downtown hotels. Occupancy has dropped some from what was expected. Maybe get some game day reservations. See, that's again a lot of you know Purdue bases that need a hotel, right? So that that probably does hurt them a little bit. Um, did you see also while we're on the subject of college football locally? I, I, I can't imagine this to be the case, but there's one report out there that South Florida, potentially, if they make a coaching change, Tom Allen could end up at South Florida. He was rumored there before, wasn't he? We brought up Liberty earlier in the week. They got Coastal Carolina's coach to come there, though, I saw. And they got the, that's the rumor. I think South Florida is one of the schools that helped Indiana give Tom Allen the most ridiculous buyout in the history of college football, right? Am I wrong there? Did they beat him? No, like, no, South Florida supposedly was lurking around and Indiana wanted to lock him in and gave him, like, I, I could be wrong there. But I've heard his name connected to South Florida before. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He joins us next. Kevin and Corey. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor, is joining us now as he does every Friday to preview the upcoming Colts game. I know my answer for this, but I'm curious Matt Taylor's thoughts. 
Mayte, Houston or Dallas, where would you rather visit? Oh, man. Um, what's the criteria? Am I there for... What am I there to do? Just hang out? Yeah, you're flying out on a Thursday evening and fly back on a Sunday. I would probably say Houston. Really? Houston. Yeah. Ooh, no. Right. What? Team Team Dallas. Houston's too spread out. Yeah, I, I guess I haven't spent enough time in Dallas. I've only been to Dallas twice, and it's been for a Colts game, and it's been in and out, right? Fly in the day before and leave after the game as soon as the game's over. So just I don't, to go I don't to, know too much about Dallas. I mean, just to go to Daly Plaza, quite frankly, and the Sixth Floor Museum, just from the history aspect of that in Dallas is cool. Yeah. But because Fort Worth is there too, it's kind of buy one, get one, right? You've got like the the mini L.A. feel of Dallas and then like the the big cow town feel of Fort Worth. And you got to go to Joe T. Garcia's and have Mexican dinner. There you go. There's your Dallas itinerary. There you go. Well, Tex-Mex down there and then some barbecue. I'm sure you got some good barbecue in both oh, yeah. Houston and Dallas, right? Yeah, for sure. Um, Fort Worth in, in particular. The stockyards are cool. It's cool. Yeah. but um, uh, I'm a big fan of it. Okay, so the better question would be this. You'd rather play the Texans than the Cowboys, by that the way. That is absolutely yeah. true. Yeah. For sure. Accurate statement <laughs> no there from me. Um, what, what sort of things... For the Colts' standpoint, Matt, what are the odds that the Colts are going to go down there and, in fact, have an enjoyable trip to Dallas? And if they want to, they're going to have to do what? Well, if they want to hang around, um, you know, because I saw the point spread, right? It's like 10, 11 points. I mean, Dallas is playing some good football, right? It's that old adage of it's not it's not who you play, it's when you play them. And Dallas has won, you know, four or five. And I think they've scored 28 points and they're over 400 yards of offense in four straight games. I mean, that's some rarefied air on offense and kind of coincides with Dak Prescott playing some good ball. But I think if the Colts can can run the football against these guys on defense, they've got a really good defense. And, you know, they got Micah Parsons and they lead the NFL in sacks and second fewest points allowed. But they're, they're not stopping the run. They're giving up about 130 yards per game. Um, and in their losses – and their three losses, they're giving up on average about 160 yards, which is 28th in, in losses in terms of stopping the run. So could be a decent game for Jonathan Taylor. And I saw Mike McCarthy the other day saying that he fully expects the Colts to run it with Taylor about 20 times in this game, at least 20 times. So if the Colts are going to hang around and make it interesting and ultimately win the game, I think Jonathan Taylor has to have a big game. Again, voice of the Colts, Matt Taylor. He's with us here on the Payless Sickers Hotline. You know, it, I think there's several factors contributing to this, Matt. You look at the quality of Dallas as an opponent, what they've done with Dak Prescott versus Cooper Rush. I think it's a 12-point-per-game difference when Dak has started this year versus Cooper Rush. They've been off for 10 days. You've been off for six days. It's a road game. I get the yeah. Colts competed with Kansas City and Philly and obviously beat Kansas City. I think this is the hardest game the Colts have seen all year. To me, Dallas has some completeness to them as a football team that maybe have questions about Kansas City. And, you know, until the run defense showed up, you had some questions with Philly on that. Well, there's no doubt they're a really, really good team. You know, we had this fun debate internally uh, this week, you know, like if in the spirit of, of the college football playoff coming out this weekend, you know, like if there was an NFL four-team playoff and you had to pick four teams right now, to make a four-team field regardless of division or regardless of conference, I think you have a hard time leaving the Cowboys out because of how well they're playing right now. I know they don't have the best record, but, I mean, if you look at it to your point, Kevin, since Dak Prescott came back, 
uh, well, let me back up. I mean, b- before his before he came back with his injury, kind of reinserting himself, uh, as, you know, the second time as that, that starting quarterback there, they were like no better than 23rd on offense and points and a lot of really important offensive categories. And now they're like top five in everything, including scoring and, and passing. And certainly, you know, they're, they're keeping Dak Prescott upright. They've only given up 14 sacks as a team on offense. So the offensive line protecting very, very well. I think Prescott obviously has a lot to do with that, getting the ball out fast and his mobility. Um, but yeah, they are a very, very complete team. I mean, you know, I mentioned the sacks allowed, fewest in the NFL. They also have the fewest, or I should say the most sacks on defense with 45. They have, they have the most sacks on defense through 11 games in the last 20 years uh, in the NFL. So wow. Wow. Parsons has a ton to do with that. He's got 12 and 25 combined in the last two years. He's probably going to be in the conversation of uh, defensive player of the year after winning you know, defensive rookie of the year last year. So, um, you know, uh, statistically, and then if you watch them on film, they are a very good team. Um, But I do think they've got, you know, enough chinks in their armor to to be had. And I think, again, it goes back to the running game for the Colts and Jonathan Taylor kind of eke out some some hard-earned yards, get some first downs, grind the game down, limit possessions for uh, the Cowboys similar to what the Colts did a couple weeks ago against uh, Philadelphia, what they did a couple years ago against um, Kansas City in that Sunday night game, ironically the last time the Colts were on Sunday night football. So, um, you know, Jonathan Taylor definitely has to be impactful in this game for the Colts to make it interesting. Matt, I realize that you don't cover the Cowboys, and it would only be maybe in your, your prep for this game that you might be able to answer this question. Uh, or in talking to perhaps, you know, I don't know if you talk to the radio guys from the other team to kind of exchange yeah. notes, but how reliant is Dallas's offense on Ezekiel Elliott? Is he, in other words, do they try to, to centerpiece things to use him as a decoy through him, or is he simply a complimentary piece when other things they're trying to do are not getting established? Uh, I think I think right now it's a combination of Elliott and then Tony Pollard. Tony Pollard is a really good complementary running back right very now. Very dynamic. Yeah, very very you know big in in terms of scrimmage yards. He's over a hundred scrimmage yards, uh, five games on the season. So, um, in fact, Dallas. To your point, Jake, Dallas is the only team this year with three players over six hundred scrimmage yards when you factor in. Uh, C.D. Lamb, Elliott, and Pollard. And in the passing game or the receiving game, it really is C.D. Lamb and then sort of everybody else. I mean, their other wide receivers are, are Noah Brown, and then you got Michael Gallup, who started strong in his career, but he really hasn't been you know totally impactful this year. In fact, he's only got like 24 catches on the season, and C.D. Lamb has 64. So it's kind of 88 and then everybody else in terms of who you need to pay attention to on the roster, Dalton Schultz is a good tight end out of Stanford. He's got 310 receiving yards on the season and three touchdowns. Um, so, yeah, I, I think they're very. I think the biggest thing that you can say about Dallas is they they spread it around between those three guys, as I mentioned, Elliott, uh, Pollard, and Lamb. But they're very, very balanced. And I mentioned those stats, you know, with the 400 uh, yards of offense and 28 points. But how they're doing it. You know they're they're the first team since like 1947 to have 
240 passing yards and at least 150 rushing yards in four straight games. So, I mean, just you have to be very, very alert and, and you have to be very disciplined against this defense, this offense, because they can hurt you both with the air and on the ground because of, you know, what they're getting from the quarterback position, the threat of him running the football, the accuracy that he has giving the football out to CD Lamb, and then those those two running backs, that two-headed monster between Pollard and Elliott. Again, Matt Taylor's with us, voice of the Colts. Our coverage begins at 5.30 on Sunday. Sunday Night Football, the Colts and Cowboys from Jerry's World. Um, Matt, I was talking to Jake a little bit earlier. Um, there's a really alarming stat in regards to the Colts passing offense about uh, basically their vertical passing game and the lack thereof. Um, say next-gen stats, Matt Ryan ranks at the bottom of the NFL and attempts, <laughs> excuse me, attempts down the field, um, and it really is kind of a historical basis. How much do you think that aspect of not being able to take shots down the field, not being able to challenge teams vertically, mm-hmm. has held back this offense? I, I think it's it's a big contributing factor. You know, Jeff Saturday talked about that this week. You know, on our on our Monday night show following that game against the Steelers. You know, I mean, the Colts in the last I think it's the last six games they only have eleven completions over twenty yards, and. You know, it's. It, I, I think these two things kind of coincide with one another because the Colts have the second most drives this season of at least ten plays, with twenty-seven of them. And I don't think that's a coincidence. I think those two things kind of go hand in hand. Meaning, you know, the Colts have a. You know, if, if they're going to get into scoring position and ultimately get points, it takes them a long time to do so in terms of the number of plays because they don't have a ton of. Uh, explosive plays on the season, and they're not pushing the ball down the field, as you said. You know, the air yards per attempt uh, is is well under ten. And you know, last year at times you saw um, you know Michael Pittman Jr. on the go routes and being able to high point the football on the sideline. And earlier this year, you know, you saw some uh, explosive plays from Alec Pierce. You know, those types of uh, attempts are, are are they've they've just not been there uh, the last couple of weeks. Also, too, you know, since Jeff Saturday's been here, the number of attempts in the passing game have gone way down. You know, the first I think seven or eight games, the Colts were averaging almost forty pass attempts per game, and that number is is uh, under thirty right now since Jeff Saturday's been here, which I, I think is ultimately a, a good thing because Jonathan Taylor is is becoming more established these last three weeks and, and being a little bit more consistent in the run game. Um, but there's no question that, you know, when, when you're not able to move the ball with explosive plays and get chunk plays, it makes it hard to get into scoring position. And also, too, and maybe more important, is that when something negative happens to this offense, it has a hard time overcoming it. And that, that probably sounds Mr. Obvious, but what I mean by that is, a penalty or a tackle for a loss or a sack, those types of things, really, those are just drive killers for the Colts. Those, those just doom possessions because the Colts don't have the ability to get recently chunk plays in the passing game or in this offense to overcome those negative things that happen to the, the offense to get them off schedule in terms of down a distance. Matt, what's the mood there? I mean, just within the locker room being around it, does it feel different? Does it look different? Does it sound different than it did, let's say, in mid-September? 
Well, I mean, now you've got guys that are talking about, you know, trying to, I mean, I, I love Julian Blackman's quote the other day. You know, he said, this is the NFL. It doesn't stand for the National Football League. It stands for not for long. And so when everybody's, you got the outside noise now of, you know, the perception of, you know, this team needs to tank because they're 4-7-1. and one. Now it's all about getting a franchise quarterback and, you know, setting yourself up for, for draft positioning and all that. You know, Julian Blackman's like, I don't know how much longer any of us can play football. You know, nothing in this league is guaranteed, and what you put out there on the game tape, that's you. That's your resume. You can't fake that, and that's, that's uh, you know, that, that, that's, that's you in terms of uh, how you handle yourself as a professional, you know, what you're giving to the organization, because you signed a contract. Doesn't matter if you're, uh, you know, fifteen and one, or you're, you're, you know, four and seven and one. Doesn't matter. You still have to go out there and play, and play to your, you know, to the best of your ability because you're playing for yourself, your organization, for the contract, your future contract. And so those types of uh, quotes and and that messaging is certainly way different, especially inside this building period. But you know, to have those types of of conversations and hear those quotes. You know, whatever today is, December second. Uh, that's way different than the conversation that was uh, being had. You and know. it's Matt. It's got to present a challenge, doesn't it? Because I'm not saying this is the case, but you have the potential or the possibility of a locker room now that have guys whose eyes are looking in different places. Some that are saying like, "Hey, this is my chance now. I'll get some reps." Some that are like, "Look, I want to try. I'm not going to. You know, I don't want to be replaced." Others that are like, "I want out." I mean. Does it is there that potential that things have become fractured? Well, I mean, I think every team deals with that to to some degree. I mean, yeah, I mean, there, there's potential there, but I I don't think that it'll happen because you know you're going on you're going to play Sunday night football, and the last thing you know this this locker room guys inside the locker room want to do against a really good team like Dallas on a national setting in a stage is go play poorly and have people talk about the team and themselves, you know, and, and their play specifically in a negative manner. So I think the guys have pride in that regard. Plus, I think they're going to get the bye next week, really kind of decompress. It's the latest bye. They're, the Colts are the only team in the AFC that hasn't had a week off yet. You're talking about, you know, a complete just grinder of a season from late July until now without an extended time uh, or period of time off. So I think that will help kind of get reset for the last four games of the season. But I think every team that's had an up-and-down year, which is basically every NFL team outside of you know three or four teams, they have to deal with, you know, am I not playing enough or should I be playing more? What's my role? What's this guy going to do? I mean, that's just that's the nature of the beast in the National Football League. And guys know, again, for the most part, unless you're you know the Matt Ryans where you, you carved out 15 years or the DeForest Buckners who – you know, you're you're an all pro player, and the Shaq Leonard's. I mean, these, these guys, uh, you know, they're solidified. But everybody else, you know, and I'm, I'm probably you know, Jonathan Taylor. Throw him in there as well. You get what I'm saying. I mean, everybody else has to be playing for you know tomorrow because nothing's guaranteed in this league. Doesn't matter if you're four, seven, and one, or or ten and two. Now we'll end with this. Um, I enjoyed your conversation earlier in the week with Dallas Flowers. Uh, clearly one of the bright spots on Monday yeah. night. Uh, when Jake and I talk about Dallas Flowers, we usually just refer to his college nickname, right? The That's Gorillas. Right. That's right. Pittsburgh State. Maybe. Yeah. Uh-huh. Pittsburgh State Gorillas. Who I, the, Eddie Garrison is something. They beat UIndy. Um, I don't know if it was in the playoffs, but earlier this year. Nonetheless, um, 
Flowers has got a pretty interesting story in not only how he got here as an undrafted free agent, but also how he got the chance to be the kicker turner the other night. Yeah, yeah. So he's he kind of bounced around a little bit. He went to two or three different uh, colleges in, and played at the NAIA level and the Division II level and uh, actually played with his brother a couple of different spots in college because he was a half-scholarship guy, I believe, at Grandview, which is an NAIA school, and was a half-scholarship guy to play basketball and football. Then the basketball program, uh, for whatever reason, that either the, the program fell on hard times or his scholarship went away to play just basketball, so he focused on football and then transferred to Pittsburgh State to get on a little bit of a bigger sca- uh, stage and, and get some more notoriety. And completely balled out there. Had a couple of kickoff returns for a touchdown, um, and was a you know all conference player there at Pittsburgh State. And uh, he, he was telling me they the whole city shuts down. It's like downtown Pittsburgh, and they get like twelve, thirteen thousand fans for every game, and it's a huge you know big big deal every Saturday in the fall there at Pittsburgh State. And they won a couple of national championships as a program. Um, so he said like their facilities are better than some of uh, Division One programs that he's seen and been around. They, they pour a lot of money into football, and they take it very, very seriously. He said they have their own pro day at Pittsburgh State, and they say guys from all around that area come to Pittsburgh State for the pro day because they have that many guys that are sort of on the NFL radar every year coming out of that program. Um, so he's just a very likable guy, got his chance, because uh, you know Isaiah Rogers the other night went to Bubba Ventrone, the special teams coordinator, and said, Hey, I think Dallas Flowers with his speed here, you know, there's a chance for a big return. So they put him back there on the opening kickoff of the second half and ripped off that 89 yarder and was like a half a block away from taking it to the house. I know he's pretty PO at himself for not being able to get into the end zone, but an exciting play that I think was huge. You know, a big part of that catalyst for the Colts in, in their third quarter comeback when they took the lead 17-16. I'm telling you, I was watching it last night when Marcus Jones did for the Patriots, DB punt returner, taking that first yep. touch offensively to the house. I'm thinking, Isaiah Rogers or Dallas Flowers? Come on now. <laughs> no doubt about it. I mean, it's so important to get a big play like that. When you're down by a couple of scores, oh, huge. you get a play like that. It's huge for just the, the momentum and the energy in the sideline. And again, we go back to the offense having a hard time moving the ball. You start the offense first and 10 at the plus 18-yard line. They got a touchdown on that drive. That was huge. You, you, can't, you cannot underestimate what a big special team's play can do, not only for the action on the field, but just the energy on the sideline. Now, will you call plays from the Jumbotron Sunday night? Be honest. There's no, there's no question that I'm going to have to fight the urge to, to not look at the Jumbotron. Now, I'm going to have to use it to enhance my viewing, if you will, because sure. if I'm not mistaken, the these newer stadiums, they don't really prioritize the media and the radio location. So if I'm not mistaken, I think we're sort of quasi in the corner, which is not a great viewing angle, if you will, for the game. So I'll have to you know use my eyes, the binoculars, the monitor in front of me, plus that jumbotron, which is crystal, crystal clear. So I think between all of that, we'll we'll you know paint the picture as accurate, accurately as we can. I'm telling you, Joe T. Garcia's in Fort Worth. Yeah, buddy of mine who lived in <laughs> Dallas literally goes. Joe T.'s is incredible. Yeah, it's a good place. Nice. What's what's your go to order there? Uh, actually, they have. It's I can't remember what they call it, but it's it's that's a great question. They're like pizza rolls, but they're basically a chimichanga, like chimichanga <laughs> rolls. They're really good. 
<coughs> it's it's kind of more to be honest with you. It's just the local place, and it's massive. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's yeah. it's it's huge, and so it's it's kind of more just the tradition of it. Dolly's fried chicken in Fort Worth is also really good. All right, can you text me the address? <laughs> I will do that. You know me. I I will do that. Dolly's Fried Chicken. (laughs) All right. Uh, Breasts more than wings. Uh, I'll take your word for it. May take. (laughs) Safe travels. All right, brother. Hey, enjoy the game tomorrow night. Have fun as a fan. Thanks, man. Appreciate that. That's Matt Taylor right there on the Payless Slickers hotline. Probably a good thing Mark's mic was off there. What? What are you talking about? Mark, you, you seem to have a bad habit late in the show of making snide comments when your mic's not on. Your that's best, probably a good thing, though. Your I, best I, work happens without your mic that's on. That's true. I got nervous when Jeff Smolin was in here the other day. I'm thinking, 9 o'clock hour, this is usually where things can get a bit odd. Uh, right. We need to have like an unhinged podcast. We need to do a show where we can be a little more free. Now look at you. I know. Creating more work for us. Thanks. Yeah, you're welcome. Freebie Friday on the Pop Quiz. Jiffy Lube Oil Change will be going to one of our listeners here. So give us a call, 239 239- 1070 We've got to give out our picks to close out the show. By the way, you see Tom Crean back on air? We were talking about that earlier in the week. Yeah, you were saying, I mean, he was really good in studio for ESPN. Is that where he's landed? Yeah, December 7th will be his first game. He does a good job of the season. You think there's a clause in there that says something about games in Bloomington? Or Marquette or Georgia. No, Bloomington might be a little different than Milwaukee or Georgia. Well, that's Athens. true. I mean, the circumstances a little di- Well, I don't know. I mean, Georgia didn't end well, right? Right. I just, I just don't think of the Georgia fandom like the IU basketball fandom when it comes to. Like, he could do four basketball. Georgia games next year, and that's more than he won there, right? Oh, gosh. That's <laughs> okay. Was it really that few? I, I Last year. they Scotty, what did they go last year, or in Creens last year? Hey, Anthony Edwards, number one pick in the draft. I know. Probably doesn't help. Uh, All right, morning checkdown. The morning checkdown, brought to you by Ball State Basketball. Get your tickets at ballstatesports.com on 93.5 and 107.5 The Fan. I'm looking it up right now. Thursday night football last night, 24-10. The Bills over the Patriots. Josh Allen, a couple touchdown passes. They're in control throughout. Easy cover there of that three-and-a-half point spread. That was a joke of a spread. Yeah, Buffalo now 9-3. and three, a New England 6-6. Six and six, Outside looking in of the playoff picture in the AFC. This is one of the darkest days in Boston sports history. Do we have? Are we? Mark's just playing random audio. Yeah, I'm just playing random audio as usual. Sorry, typical, typical Friday here. Uh, Tom Green in his last year at the University of Georgia coached in 32 games. The Bulldogs' record, Kevin, was Uh, 10 and 22. Mark, 8 and 20. I don't know. 6 and 26 in his last year. Holy hell. <laughs> that is the definition. That's horrific. Of the bottom falling out. 6 and 26. Uh, Pacers in action tonight, Jake. 9 o'clock with the Utah Jazz. Um, I could not have done this until I looked it up. Can you name one Utah Jazz starter? I would not have gotten one right. Kelly O'Linick. How do you know that? Come on now. Come on. Kelly um, Olenek, Lori Markkinen. Michael Conley. He's hurt. Okay. Jordan Clarkson. Okay. Colin Sexton, who they got in the Donovan Mitchell okay, trade. There you go. 
Uh, they had lost five straight. They beat the Clippers the other night. Five-point favorite Utah. Tyrese Halliburton questionable with a groin injury. Uh, one game last night in the association, by the way, it was Detroit over Dallas. Detroit led by snapping a three-game skid, led by Boyan Bogdanovich, the former Pacer, with 30. Uh, Colts injury report heading into this final practice of the week. Still no Kenny Moore. Again, he's on that scooter, so we expect him to miss some time. Quinny Pay back to practice, though. Very important. He's played just two, really just a game and a half so could they in be the last two more? months. <coughs> Is that right? What'd you say? The, the Colts, if he's not playing, they would be less more, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm sick and like... <laughs> why, 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 I, you people are not helping me you at You people? All. Scotty even sided. That. Local taverns open at 10 a.m. around here. Scotty, Scotty usually has my back. Give me the worm. Find the worm and I'll do it right now. Someone explained that to I had a local bartender message me earlier about that. About what? The worm. Saying? Tell Jake Mezcal. Am I saying that right? Okay. Yeah. Is made by making a pit with a little bit of fire and they lay the agave? Yeah. Over the smoke before they process it to distill it so it has a smoky flavor to it. Tequila skips the smoking part. Gotcha. That's the basic way to describe the difference, and that is f- from Jeff Cruz. All right. In my opinion, that sucks. That's a that's a post one of your. Yeah. What, are you delayed here? That was yeah, not was towards delayed. Jeff, right? No, that was okay, not towards thank Jeff. Thank you. Was towards you, you, you Jeff. Always so assume much, it's for Jake. You're on so much Sudafed that you're delayed I, here. I need more Sudafed. I mean, like I said, bring them. Bring the worm. I'll do the worm right now. <laughs> okay. Now, Brain Smith out due to illness, so that'll be something to keep an eye on. Dallas, two guys out yesterday due to illness. Micah, not Micah Parsons. Uh, that'd be great for the Colts, honestly. Trayvon Diggs, Michael Gallup. Uh, no Jelani Woods. That's kind of unfortunate. Jelani has such a great game. He's missed the first played two well. days of practice. He's played well, as of late, yes. Uh, we have, for the pop quiz, it is Freebie Friday. So, Jiffy Lube, going to hook you up with an oil change if you partake we will do it next 239-1070 is the telephone number it's kevin and query on a friday weekend upcoming here 93.5-1075 the fan whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits long live listening to your favorites learn more about cascali ribocyclob 200 milligrams at kisqali.com and talk to your doctor to see if cascali is right for you studied can you handle the pressure? Sharpen your pencils. It's time for the Pop Quiz with Kevin and Query. Brought to you by Jiffy Lube, Indiana's favorite oil change since 1985. By the way, uh, I don't think any of these fun facts will be part of the Pop Quiz here, but if you're just joining us this morning, uh, where have you been? To recap, uh, Kevin is wearing a soccer kit this morning in preparation for tomorrow's United States versus Holland or Go Go USA Netherlands is it Netherlands or Holland Netherlands, Netherlands. I think on the official Holland is an island of the Netherlands correct yeah okay there um, are only two things I, I send you guys to sign this world what's that people who yeah. are intolerant of other people's cultures and the Dutch there you go. I, I don't recall that blip that blip from Seinfeld to be honest I know I was surprised when I sent it to you you guys seemed I surprised by it. it um but at any rate, Kevin's wearing that. He is uh, drinking tea this morning because... Decaffeinated tea with honey. Whatever Mark has, I don't, he's no. given to Kevin. I right? think mine's more of a voice issue. Yeah. Mine's all in the nose. It's up here. <laughs> Mark is getting ready to leave for the weekend. I'm glad Mark pointed out where his nose was in case we forgot. This, this year, right? <laughs> Both I, you guys are out of town. That's right. Radio. 
Yeah. Now, where are you going again, Mark? Uh, You're going the, south, though, right? Yeah. Nashville. Yeah. The gay, not the Gaylord Perry Hotel, like you said. The Gaylord Opryland Resort. So we're going uh, there. I, the Grand Ole Opry? Like that hotel? Uh, it's near there. Yeah, but it's not. I've actually stayed there. It's yeah. quite the... We, we went through and visited before. It's very nice. We're like, oh, I'd like to stay there. Okay. Jake, you're getting to Milwaukee, I assume, right at 10 o'clock, and so you can be there for kickoff? Correct. Yeah, that's right. Don't want to miss one minute of the United States and the Netherlands? That is correct. We uh, do have a soccer question here to lead off the pop quiz. I don't... How is number four not multiple choice? <laughs> Wait a minute. I got to pull up the pop quiz here. It just dawned on me that... Uh, number four is the one that you're wondering if it should be multiple choice. Thanks for pulling up the pop quiz during the pop quiz segment. Well, I mean, it's better than doing it after, right? Well, he just got into his computer. I just got into my computer like a half an hour ago. Scotty just snickered as soon as I said that out loud. He, he, I mean, I, this is number Friday. four is obvious. You're your age. Number Am four I? is incredibly you're easy. Showing your lack of age. Okay. All right. Yeah, number four is easy as can be. All right. Give us number one through eight. Four. Since that's the easiest question on the quiz. Dan. Dan. What's up, Dan? KB, how's it going? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm good. Uh, freebie Friday action. Um, Dan, your weekend plans consist of what? Obviously, USA tomorrow at 10. Let's go. And kids got basketball on Sunday. Other than that, maybe maybe work on a deck. Now, the kid that, that plays basketball is how old? Seven. So, what's the final score? Like, what if he was like, "Oh, my kid's Fletcher lawyer." <laughs> Dan, uh, what will the final score be in said basketball game? Usually, mid twenties to high teens. Are you kidding me? For seven year olds? Yeah, it's a uh, it's a traveling basketball team, so the kids are they're all allowed to travel. Is that what that means? Yeah, do we travel a lot? Yeah, that that is part of it. Yes. Okay. Now, Dan, uh, have you called the program before? I have. Have we played Get to Know Your Listener with you? Uh, it was a, I believe it was a, seg- a shortened segment of that, but yes. Dan and I played a little golf together back in the summer. Great dude. Okay. Yeah. And, that, and a great driver of the is golf. Is that game. how you guys got a nickname status? Well, I, just, I think he feels a connection. Initials status? Yeah, that is the birth of our friendship. Yes. Okay, that's fair. All right, Dan, uh, would you like for me, that would be Jake, or would you like for Kevin uh, KB to lead you off? I got to go with my boy Kevin. I appreciate that, Dan. All right, number one, speaking of the United States, World Cup continues in Qatar. Where will the 2026 World Cup be held? U.S., Canada, Mexico, all the above. Well, I know it's in the U.S. I don't believe it. Oh, it's a global game, Dan. All right, let's go with deal. Smart guy. All right, uh, question number two. Colts-Cowboys, Dallas, Sunday. The Cowboys lead the all-time series 10-7. to Who won the only playoff meeting between the two teams? If you don't get this, Dan, then you are not only permanently banned from this program, but also from ever talking to Whoa. myself or Kevin ever again Whoa. because Whoa. it was a Super Bowl and it was won on a field goal. Dallas. Jake, I, Jake thought he was Brad Bowen there for a second. He's my father. You can't talk to Kevin. <laughs> okay. How are you, you going to institute that? You going with the Cowboys in Super Bowl Five? That was my guess. Correct. Get your damn act together. Okay. J- Jim Irsay still talks about this one a lot. You sure, Dan? 
Nope, I want to go with the Colts. <laughs> <laughs> and I want to continue to talk to you. I, I don't That's want right. to sound like I'm in a seventh grade relationship, but geez, come on, I think Jake. Jake's is jealous. That was harsh. Uh, number three here, Bills over the Patriots last night, 24-10. Stephon Diggs scored a touchdown in three straight road games against the Patriots. Who was the last player to score a TD in three straight road games versus New England? <laughs> a, Marvin Harrison. B, Mark Clayton. C, Wesley Walker, not Welker. Or D, Reggie Wayne. Let's go with Marvin. Kind kind of a highlight catch in one of those, right, Scotty? Question three. Four. Or four, sorry. On this day in 1974, Major League Baseball allowed the use of cowhide in the manufacture of baseballs. What were the covers of baseballs made of before 1974? And this is an obvious answer, Jake? I'm with you, Dan. I, I thought it was, but... I mean, I guess now you'd say. Rubber? I guess now you'd say, nay, it's not. I, I thought it was. Horsehide. <laughs> Some way, somehow, do we have a four for four at this point? Yeah. From 1979, Dan, through 1981, the National League Rookie of the Year was a L.A. Dodgers pitcher. Should I go multiple choice, Scotty? Of the following, yeah, I guess I do. Which did not win NL Rookie of the Year between 79 and 81? Steve Howe, Fernando Valenzuela, Dave Stewart, Rick Sutcliffe. Gonna go with A. Steve Howe? Yeah. Okay. The music just stopped. Boy, that was kind of the heck happened. We're there. done. Talk we about it. a suddenness to it. it. You know, you know the uh, the one unfortunate thing here is if somehow, some way, we could have come up with enough options for question five that that N instead of A B C D, if N would have been a possibility, that means that Dan's answers would have been D all A's and an N, and he would have spelled his own name in the pop quiz. Now, wouldn't all that right. Been but that that would have been, been fantastic. <laughs> Thank you. whoop de doo right? Uh, G-H. <laughs> All right. Let's see how Dan did. All right. <laughs> uh, the World Cup in Qatar, the 2026 World Cup, in fact, will be held in the U.S., Canada, see, and Mexico. Correct. All of the above. Jake, you're pretty appalled about question number two. I, I mean, I realize it was the Baltimore days. But the Baltimore Colts did win Super Bowl five on a field goal to win the Super Bowl. Yes! He did say Colts. Took a little... Coaxing. Yes, but he got it right. Marvin Harrison, TDs in 04, 05, and 06 in Foxborough. And Horsehide was indeed correct for number four. Do we have the horse sound effect again, please? Yeah, you want that? Yes, please. Thank you. Whoa. Wow. Boy, that one was going to town. Just won the derby. (laughs) It's a spry horse right there. Uh, Question number five. From 1979 to 1981, the National League Rookie of the Year was an L.A. Dodger pitcher. The NL Rookie of the Year, uh, which was not one of those between 79 and 81, the correct answer was Dave Stewart. You blew it! But, Freebie Friday. You don't get to come back tomorrow. You don't even get a lousy copy of our home game. You're a complete loser. <laughs> uh, we will Are you come rubbing back off on me? Phrasing, <laughs> <laughs> please. That's what she said. <laughs> okay. Really, Mark? Really? It's Friday. Who cares?
Fair enough. It is Friday. We'll talk about some of the games that are coming over the weekend. Next. I'm looking at throat spray on Amazon. <laughs> Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you. Kevin, the good news is you will not have to talk, presumably, for 48 hours at least, right? Something like that? Until Rosie looks at me like, Daddy, why are you talking? But, um, and I, this may be jumping the gun here, you, you won't necessarily be opening your mouth to talk, but uh, people can do exactly that for probably a simple cheek swab. Is that right? Yeah, it's um, really an unfortunate situation, but we're searching right now for a little bit of help with uh, one of Maddie's good friends um, Lindsay Laconi's her maiden name Lindsay Garrison right now um, she was diagnosed with leukemia in September um, dealing with some stomach pain and then just out of the blue um, diagnosed with that she's got two young children she's a NICU nurse over at St. Vincent Women's Hospital and kind of next step in her treatment is a stem cell transplant and unfortunately there's not been a 100% match yet in the Be The Match system. Um, so I tweeted out a link to it. I will retweet it now. Over at St. Simon Church, which is uh, located in Geist, right off Oakland and Road. Tomorrow from noon to 6, you can go there and see if you're a match. You can also do it online. They send a kit to your house. That's what that's what Maddie did for that. Um, and just really hoping for something here. Again, it's just a tragic, tragic story and um, would love to see if there's anybody out there that can help with this process. I tweeted out last night and Lara Overton reached out and she mentioned that um, this is something related with Andrew Smith. Remember the Butler basketball player? Um, and uh, her brother-in-law was able to help out with a match, kind of in a different story. So um, if people aren't you know, doing anything coming up this Saturday, or it, it, if you can't make it, they can still send you um, a kit to your house. And again, that's what we did, and it was a pretty easy um, process now, there. Now, is that so. the same, Kevin? It's been a number of years since I have done that because I'm on the match registry. Um, and, you know, it's... I, I don't mean this to be flippant at all. I, every so often, because I went a number of years ago and did, and it was really easy. It was basically just a cotton swab they ran on the on my cheek, like on either side. Yeah. Is it the same thing? Yeah, I, I do think when you get to the bone marrow process, if you are a match, sure. that is a painful process. Um, so full transparency on that front. But again, you know, I, I think if you're willing to try to be a match, hopefully. You know, if you are one, then you'll continue to go you know, through that. Um, Nikki, is it Reed, who works in radio at WCPL, yeah, uh-huh. uh, who used to work in this building? She was. She did the same thing. I. It, uh, it was about ten years ago. I was at a grocery store, and they just had a thing set up where you could register to be on the match registry. And every so often, I will get lettering or mailing from them, and I get kind of this hope of like, well, maybe some, maybe there is a match, right? Yeah. Somebody can be helped, and it's usually it's just mailers. But she did match with someone when Nikki had done the same thing, and she ended up giving a a marrow, you know, transplant. I mean, they she was a match and went through the whole process really? with a stranger, somebody she didn't know. Um, Talk about I, a hero. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and I do think that. You know, there are variations or different ways, I guess, in which those donations, the way that they can get it. But I'm sure it is not, like you said, it it might be a painful process, but my gosh, when you consider the alternative, right? Again, two young kids, NICU nurse, St. Vincent Women's Hospital. Um, If you can't help by any means, please do head to our show Twitter account. Jake just retweeted it, so thank you for that, Jake. Myself, Mark, um, head to any of our Twitter pages if you're looking for a little bit more info 
on that front. Uh, for the weekend itself, and that is again taking place when, Kevin? Uh, that's noon to six tomorrow over okay. at, um, or excuse me, Sunday. I keep on saying uh, tomorrow. That's Sunday the 4th. Sunday the 4th. Again, no Colts game till Sunday night. Noon to six, Sunday the 4th over at St. Simon uh, off Oakland and Road in Geist. And then Saturday, of course, the Big Ten Championship game, Purdue and Michigan. We had a lot of, and I appreciate uh, Jeff Brom coming on, Rob Blackman today talking about it, Tom Deanhart. So we've talked plenty of Purdue this week. It'd be interesting to see what we are talking about with them on Monday, whether or not we're talking about the fact Purdue is the underdog Big Ten champion or Purdue perhaps headed to, looks like it would be the Citrus Bowl or a January Bowl game, January 2nd in Florida. Yeah, you know, can you stop the run? I mean, I think that's what it boils down to so much for Purdue of – you know, making sure that you're getting off the field. I'm not letting Michigan do what they did to Ohio State, especially in the trenches. I like the fact, Jake, that they get to be indoors. I think that's big for Aiden yeah. O'Connell and Payne Durham and Charlie Jones and and the Sheffield kid and Tracy. You know, for that passing offense and what Maccabee's given them has been huge. Um, so Jeff Brom, his team's just had a knack, Jake, for competing in these games. Not only competing, winning these games. So. I'll be full transparency with everyone. Part of me wants to see a good game. I'm going to be there, so I would like to see that. But I really do think Purdue can make this competitive into the fourth quarter. I just saw in the bowl projections, and I think some of these can become pretty easy to figure out just because they are alliances and things like that with the different conferences. Latest bowl projection I see is for the Orange Bowl to be Clemson and Ohio State. Woo. Ohio State would run Clemson out of the building. I would much rather Clemson play out. Would you go to that? Probably not because I mean I don't I don't want to miss the work time more than anything else. Plus I think they're going to get run out of the building. Cle- the, the the challenge for Clemson as you saw Kevin uh, first off, interesting. Notre Dame is the only team that was able to run the ball like that against them all year. I mean their defensive front four is really good. And that game they were horrendous. But no, Clemson's quarterback play I Everything depends on how he plays. Some games, their quarterback plays outstanding, and they're really good. And if it's not, they are on their heels the whole game. But I think Ohio State would be able to exploit them. Can IU at Rutgers tomorrow? Big Ten basketball underway. Purdue's got Minnesota on Sunday. Uh, any locks for you guys this week? I'm going Jacksonville at Detroit, minus one. I think Detroit wins that game, don't you? Really? I'll I go do. for Jags. I think Detroit is like kind of quietly putting together a little bit of confidence here. I like uh, Dolphins plus four against the 49ers. I don't know if the 49ers offense can keep up with the Dolphins. In San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Debo Samuel I saw hurt yesterday in yep. practice. Something and to keep the, an eye on. The Chargers minus one against the Raiders. The Raiders stink. Oh, that's my Super Bowl pick, I, Mark. I know. They stink. You do that to me on a Friday. I'm already down. It's, it's, that's right up there with when you were hoping my grandma would pass. I didn't say that. Don't <laughs> put words in my mouth. Wow. Okay. I think we have the audio. What is the line between New York and Minnesota? Uh, that's another one I thought about. Minnesota's favored by three. I, pff, Minnesota all day. Yeah. Minnesota that, all day. So in my survivor pool, I've used about 12 teams. The two teams I'm using this week, Minnesota and Cleveland. Deshaun Watson in Houston. I, I got a feeling, I'm telling you, that, that game to me, I wouldn't touch the Cleveland-Houston game because Deshaun Watson I could see coming out rattle. I, I just, I don't know. How about this? I'm going to take the Rams oh, hosting geez. Seattle. What? No Stafford? It's like on their third no Cup, quarterback. No Donald? What's the, what's the spread? 
Seattle, Seattle by like a touchdown, by a touchdown, I think. Touchdown. Yeah. Yeah. Rams will cover that. Okay. I'm Mark, not saying they're going to win. Your pick Sunday night they're football. Home. Colts There's, favored by, excuse me, Colts underdog by 10.5 last I saw. Yeah. I, I, uh, NBC's going to be regretting that they didn't flex out of this game. I've got the Cowboys winning quite easily 31 10. I got 31-17. I just think it's an awful matchup. Most complete team on the road short week. Unless illness continues to go through Dallas, Micah Parsons might send Matt Ryan to the blue medical tent and bring Sam Ellinger. 28-16 Dallas. 31-23 Michigan over Purdue. I think it's close, though. I think it's a one... Obviously, I pick a one-possession score. I think it's close for the Boilers. 30, uh, 37 you, 13 Michigan. You guys safe travels, I guess, opposite directions of 65. That's right. Yeah. That's right. I'll see you boys Tuesday. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Forgot about that. All right. See you. Everybody have a great weekend.